Hi, Johnny. So, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to talk about something, but Johnny just hit me with so much. Hit me with so much knowledge. Your new nickname, Johnny. You're you're the truth now. I'm gonna call you that. You're the name. truth. The truth. That's I don't your like new, that. That's your new nickname. It's too heavy. It's too. Is it the the responsibility? The responsibility of that title. Yeah. Too bad. Okay. What I was talking about was um, I. So this past week. No, about a week ago, I watched the movie, which is a, another adaptation of a book called um, something on the front. Oh, man. What's it called? All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which is another adaptation of like a 1930s or 1920s novel. Everyone knows All Quiet on the Western Front from, from the original movie, right? But this movie is also a modern adaptation of the same book. So this movie and the original movie are both adaptations of the exact same book. So, because someone told me, like, is it a remake? Like, it's not a remake because it's not a remake of the previous movie, right? It's just another take on it. Anyways, irrelevant. So, the movie, for those of you who don't know what the movie's about, it's essentially, it's kind of designed to show you the horrors of the human cost of warfare. So, the movie starts off with, like, these four, like, I don't know if they're in high school or in college, but, like, these four German youth, okay? They're, like, they're basically very excited about going to the front to world war one basically they're excited they're looking forward to it because they think of the glory and the you know the praise of being like part of the generation fighting right and it starts off really dark because like they go enlist and everything and there's like a like one of the recruiters is giving them like this like big speech and spiel about being part of like the honor of the deutschland which is germany just you know in german and being part of, like, you know, the spearhead going to France and the glory of Europe and all that stuff, right? Like, all the propaganda stuff. And as they're getting their uniforms, they don't realize that the uniforms they're getting are recycled uniforms of dead soldiers. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's so like, one of them's like, oh, like, mine, I think, like, oh, I think you gave me one that's assigned to somebody else. And, like, the guy takes it, like, grimly, he's like, oh, like, he like, takes off the stickers. Like, oh, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, that must be, like, a another surplus or something. I mean, it was already assigned to somebody, like, who didn't. But, like, at the start of the movie, they show you all the uniforms they're wearing are from soldiers who already died. So, it's kind of grim. But, what their promise, like... I don't know how they... They didn't take the tag off, but somehow they managed to take all the blood off the uniform. Yeah, they wash... They show you, like, they wash the uniforms, and then they restitch it. There's, like, a bunch of women who are just seamstress restitching uh, the uniforms. I missed that part. Yeah, they're restitching the uniforms, but they don't... Meant, but, like, I guess one, one of them got through without with the name tag on it. And the guy's like, oh, my bad. Like, oh, this must have been assigned to somebody in a different unit. Like, my bad. He takes it off real quick. Oh, that's right. Because if they're dying, they got body parts being blown off. So they have to re-sew all the... Exactly. So they don't So they don't make new uniforms. They don't have enough material. So they just reuse the same dead ones. They just patch them up. Yeah. They just patch them up really well to where you think they're new, basically. And so, like, that's kind of like the first hint of how dark the movie's going to get. But the movie quickly goes from being like, okay, we're these guys, we're the, our crew, like we're on this adventure. We're going to, you know, oh yeah, like the war is going to be over like in two weeks or something. For those of you who don't know, World War One last approximately five years, the front, which is like where the trenches are, it never moves more than 20 feet throughout the entire war. Really? Like it barely moves at all. So most of the fighting, all the dying pretty much happens on that, on the front, which is like that trench, the barrier. No Man's Land, if you've seen enough movies. And, like, millions of people died there, basically. The war, really, there's nobody. In fact, they finally end the war because no one was making any ground. Like, they, when they finally signed the armistice, technically the end of the war, like, without anyone... Uh, well, Germany gets, like, the bad 
end of the stick, right? Mm-hmm. And that sets up World War II and all that. But they're thinking like, oh, like we're, the war's going to be over. We're going to go into France as conquerors. We're going to meet all these French women. We're going to like all this is going to be really cool. We're going to get all the wine. And like within like the first like skirmish, like one of the friends dies. And then by like I I I can spoil this because this movie's like this book is almost a hundred years old at this point, and the first movie is almost a hundred years at this point. But basically, every single one of them dies. Okay, so sorry for spoilers, but it's an old story. Every single one of them dies. They all die very very gruesome deaths, and this whole movie is basically just to design to show you the horrors of war. Now the reason why I bring this up, Johnny, is because immediately after I watched that movie. I, I, I used to turn on Modern Warfare 2. And I just go play on I play online, play a couple of matches. And then like it hits me how I guess the dichotomy of like watching a gruesome movie about the horrors of war and then kind of going into a game which kind of romanticizes war. And it really didn't hit me till like after maybe a couple of matches. I'm like like this is weird to go from a movie that's very st- I mean, you can make the argument that all war movies are ro- romanticized or are pro-war. I don't think that's necessarily true. Some people say glamorizing war, even in anti-war movies, is still the same thing. Are you sure it's that? Or is it... Like, I imagine a chef comes home and he doesn't feel like playing Fruit Ninja. <laughs> are you sure it's not just that? Like, it could be. It's the same... I think just of... the whiplash of going from one entertainment medium that's clearly trying to drive home a message... And then switching to another medium that's clearly, you know, here's the battle pass. Here's the new guns. new You know what I mean? Like, it's very, there's a clear contrast between the two, the juxtaposition. Yeah. And I just, it just kind of, like, hit me, like, like, it's so weird. Like, imagine, like, if you were a soldier today. I don't know. Anyone was in the military. And then you come home and, like, kids are just playing, like, Call of Duty and, like, the desensitation, the decent, desensit. Tization? I'm trying to, did I say Johnny? Do sense? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, you, tr- you get what I'm trying to say, though, right? Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just never thought of it through those lens because I- I've never had that. I think it's just the whiplash that kind of just made me, like, contemplate and kind of, like, reflect on my thoughts and emotions about it. It just seems, it seems odd and funny at the same time to kind of, like, uh, what's that thing called? We call it the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Like, having, like, oh, this is really bad. Anyways, I don't play Call of Duty. You know what I mean? Like, that was my mentality. And I don't know. I I don't really do, like, self-retrospecting or, like, self-analyzing. But I kind of had to sit there for a minute and just think, like, it feels weird how we kind of glorify war and violence. And then part of me wonders if that's just just a byproduct of, you know, our governments and our nations around the world having – the need to have a pro-war force at the ready at all times. Do you think that's what it is? Or am I just thinking too much into it, maybe? Um, yeah. Because we don't really see any pro-peace stuff that doesn't involve warfare in some sense. You know what I mean? I don't know. It was just something that was just stuck with me because this was so recent. I don't know. Anyways, that's just my thoughts on it. I was just, I was like, huh. Like, I'm not going to stop playing Call of Duty, but it definitely made me pause. You know what I mean? To just be like, we glorify war, yet we have, like, all these institutions and, like, no peace. Peace must, you know, reign. And I don't know. We're just, like, walking contradictions when it comes to this. I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, 
Was it really the war thing? Or I think do so. You, do you do you feel like this about other topics? Like I kind of feel like this about um, rap music. You, I mean, you can apply it to rap music. You can also apply it to like when we talk about like, environmental stuff or like you know, uh, we'll dump all this oil oh, and gas, yeah, but like, don't you dare use those straws, right? Like it's like that kind of thing where. Yeah, I could see, for rap music, I could see the whole glorification of, like, the bling, or I don't know if they even call it that, but then, like, you know, saying, oh, I killed this many people, or, oh, I do the robberies, and, like, but we've seen that kind of also happen, where, like, they use their own lyrics in court as, like, testimony. <laughs> I feel like they just started doing that. Uh, I think there was one governor that started saying that they're going to use a lot of those lyrics, and if they catch a case, which... Before, I'm not sure. How do you feel about this? I, okay, this is a gaming podcast, guys. I know we're going to get into it. Uh, Just real quick. How do you feel about that? Uh, people catching cases and then their lyrics get used against them. Are you okay with that? Cashing cases? What do you mean? They catch a case. Like, oh. like a murder case, a theft, or whatever. I don't know. I think that's kind of dumb. Because there was a... Did you hear about that one rapper who... Uh, like, like a lesser known rapper who like... He bragged in one of his songs about the the stimulus check fraud. Did you catch that one? I've heard of several of those. There was a rapper who like bragged about like how he defrauded like for the stimulus for like the small business like mm-hmm. checks or whatever. And then like they literally checked like, oh yeah, like you grab you got like way more money was awarded to you than what was you supposed to, and like they used that against him, which was like first of all, like why would you brag about that? That's not like a hard I mean, it's hard to pull off, but it's not like, oh, man, you're so tough kind of thing. Like, why would you brag about, like, defrauding the government? Like, that's like a white-collar crime. That's not exactly, like, you know, rap-worthy. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, it's like, oh, man, I didn't claim all my income. Like, word. <laughs> you know it's not, mean? yeah, yeah, it's, that brag is not. It's not noteworthy, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's just silly. But is that what you're talking about? You're talking about more serious stuff, like drugs and, like, killing. And yeah, stuff. drugs and murder and. I'm not sure because they say it's like or an artistic expression and all that, right? Right. Like how much but of if, that is true? How much of it is just like boastful, like just for the sake of the song? But if they say something on on a, on a track, am I okay with somebody opening up an investigation to see like did he really do this? Like we got we got uh, a few names or like they're implying that their homies, let's see what their homies are and see if they're attached to a crime. I. I think I might be okay with this. I don't know if there's a conflict with me and freedom of speech, but I... I think if you're dumb enough empathy. to brag about something that you did and you're not just boasting or making it up and you're, like, being, like, brazen and honest yeah. about it, I think there's then all, all... It's fair. I think all, you know, take off the kid gloves. But, uh... Well, connection between what you said and rap, uh, quick story. Uh, I remember being at my friends, right? We were, I don't know, we were, like, 10 or something. And then he gets a phone call and I forgot who it was that told him, but my friend started panicking, right? He was on the phone. I'm just like watching him and he starts freaking the fuck out. And they told him that one of his cousins got shot. Oh, and we didn't know what the fuck to do, right? We're kids. And I'm like, I'm trying to calm him down. I'm like, Hey dude, what do you want to do? Like, you want to try to catch a bus and go with your family or go to the hospital or what? And as I'm like just sitting there and he's just losing his fucking mind, he's sobbing. I just kind of like lean back and I, I look behind him and behind him is this giant poster of Tupac and Biggie, right? Mm. And me and him, of course, listen to a lot of rap music. But as I'm looking at that poster, I'm thinking, every breath you no, take. No, oh. I'm thinking, 
why do we idolize these people? Like, they're just talking about theft and murder and shooting each other. And, you know, of course, I'm all for, like, freedom of expression. Mm -hmm. And this goes into, like, violent video games and violent film and all that. And, like, yeah. I want I want people to express themselves. But for sure, I feel like in music, it's a little bit different because in music, it's very personal, you know? Mm -hmm. it's They're talking about person that they talk to in the street you know yeah or their family it's members like, that stepped them in the back it's super personal it's not like a movie or a game where like they storyboard it and they have writers and get yeah it's like a yeah it's it's not like a a video game where you see zombies and all of a sudden the like, kid this wants is to the trend go yeah. out there and shoot shit it's like they're shooting zombies like mm -hmm. fucking chill right but in music it, they know the person and yeah, I'm sure with, like, me back then, cognitive dissonance, I probably felt like that. Like, why do we idolize these people? And then all of a sudden, I probably got in the car the same day and started listening to rap again. Yeah. Right. I think of that funny, have you seen that meme where it's, like, it's a, it's a person driving their car and it's, like, me listening to gangster rap about killing and shooting on my way to my work, to my 9 to 5 job. <laughs> like, you're, like, it's, it's, we're weird. We're, we're walking contradictions. Humans are funny. Um sometimes ha ha funny sometimes just funny like really so um anyways johnny let's get back to our podcast about very unimportant stuff that is all important what are you talking about <laughs> anyways ladies and gentlemen welcome to the duo sense podcast i promise we're gonna talk about video games now this is a weekly uh podcast where we talk about video games we've been playing i purposely delayed i purposely delayed this episode a little bit longer because i wanted to give johnny and myself a little more time for a particular game that we've been playing and i hope that it paid off by waiting a couple of days so as always i'm your host andrew roscoe joined by the badger of the high desert the self-proclaimed lost cause he's always down for the cause never down for the count the unnecessary one the truth johnny hey guys you like that, Johnny? You like? You like? No, I don't. Is it growing on you? No, the truth. It's, it's weird. Is it too much? Is it like? It's like, like, is it like the Peter Parker thing? Like, with great power comes great responsibility, but as a negative, with great titles comes responsibility to live up to the title. No, it's just odd. Who calls himself that? The truth. You remember? You remember there's a Grand Theft Auto character called Truth? Do you remember that? The hippie guy in San Andreas. No. You remember the hippie guy, the hippie what? in San Andreas who was always like smoking and stuff? I don't. Like his name was literally just the truth. Did yeah. they go to him for advice or what? No, he just had missions revol like revolving around. We had to like burn all the weed because the feds are coming in the forest. You remember that? Oh, then I understand why he's called the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a kind of a little gag. Anyways, Johnny, we have a very big uh, topic this episode, a very timely one. Um, We have a. We have listener mail that's related to the topic, so I'm going to read that first. Uh, it says here, uh, I wrote it down right here. It says, first time writing, recent fan, there's no doubt you guys have seen the Game of the Year nominees. Which games, if any, got snubbed for Game of the Year? Hopefully you read this. Moss Sauce 9. something a bunch of numbers. Moss Sauce. I like that. So it's moss, like the stuff that grows on trees. Mm -hmm. And then sauce. Moss Sauce? Yeah. Cute name. I like that. Anyways, so Johnny, let's get Keep that in mind. Keep that question in mind about who you think got snubbed. Let's look at the category. So this past Monday, uh, Jeff Keighley's famous Game Awards finally revealed the official nominees for the many categories of, uh, well, of games who deserve recognition for certain, uh, I guess you could say, accomplishments. So let's get into it. 
Uh, we're just going to start off with the game of the year one, and we'll talk about the other ones. The main ones. There's like 40 categories. There's no way we're going to talk about all 40 categories, but we're just going to talk about Hold on, though. Off the top, is there a game that was left out, do you think? Yeah. I Well, there's only supposed to be like six nominees, so not left out. Yeah, it should have been replaced by another one. I think so. But we're gonna, I'm literally about to talk about those right now. So okay. our nominees for game of the year this year is... The last, I'm sorry, not The Last of Us. <laughs> a Plague Tale Requiem, because the character looks like Ellie, kind of. A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So those are our six nominees for Game of the Year. And Game of the Year, this is the official description of what Game of the Year is. Recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. So it's kind of a catch-all of like, this is the best game in terms of it hits all these marks kind of thing. Creative and technical. So it's not just like graphics. It's also like story, a mixture of pacing, a mixture of characters, a mixture of art. It's all these things thrown together on top of technical, like in terms of physics, lighting, all that stuff thrown together. Johnny. Is there a game you feel... I'm pretty sure there isn't, just because uh, I'm already getting ahead of it. Is there a game you feel that should be here or should not be here from this year? Obviously, we're going to take out uh, Elden Ring. No! That needs to go. Okay, I know you're joking. Because uh, there's like other games here I would take out before I would even take out Elden Ring. No, nah, there, there isn't a game that I've played where I'm like, this absolutely needs to go and win an award. There no? just isn't. I, I haven't played enough games to really get a okay. really give an opinion on that. I've played all of these games except for Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Mm-hmm. I'm currently playing Plague Tale Requiem and currently playing Ragnarok at the same time. Um, putting way more time to Ragnarok than Plague Tale, I can tell you that. The interest, I could see, I see the merit for almost all of these, actually. I do see the merit for all of these. I think Plague Tale Requiem does really interesting stuff with its physics engine where like you have all these rats on screen and just i imagine the amount of work to get them all to look nice and render and just having all these things taking up like it does it it handles it way better than say days gone does with the freakers yeah where that game kind of chugs and doesn't render all of them fully at the same time here oh when i play playtale requiem like the game is gorgeous it's absolutely beautiful on pc and it, yeah, for sure. I, the characters of uh, Amicia and Hugo. If I don't know if you played the previous one, but like, it's a brother and sister, uh, t- kind of like a Ellie and Joel situation, where like you 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 only control one for the most part. Sometimes you like go back and forth for like very specific like parts, but you're kind of just it's like a stealth game. So it's very similar to Last of Us, very similar to uh, parts of Resident Evil Four with the Ashley Leon thing. Yeah, it's basically kind of like a. Uh, uh, what's the term they call it? There's like a specific, not a derogatory term, but they call them uh, escort missions. That's what they call those games, escort missions. But it's it plays pretty well. I it's way better than the first game. Like the first game was just okay, I thought. So, but this one, like everything is improved: sound, design, music, the voice work, everything's great. So, definitely, I think. Hold on, give me a second. It definitely warrants being here, I believe. Um, Elden Ring, of course. That's that's the star. That's the star child for me right there. Elden Ring is a phenom- feat of phenomenal just gameplay. I know. I know you don't like the combat that much. 
at all. But the ver- the variety of combat, there is like over a hundred bosses in the game. The approach to each one of those bosses and just the lore and everything mixed into Elden Ring just makes it like I'm just talking about the game makes me want to play it again. And I'm still playing Ragnarok just just to give you context. Like I'm very tempted to play this game again like right now, but there's other stuff I want to get through of course through of course. So um, Elden Ring, I could not gush enough about Elden Ring. Of course, God of War Ragnarok, you and I are both playing this right now. We'll get into it. I'm going to save some a little bit, but I'll just say definitely an improvement over the first one. And the first one won Game of the Year back in 2018. So this one's a strong contender. I want to talk about that a little later on when we talk about what we've been playing. So I'm going to leave the praise there. Horizon Forbidden West. Now, this is one I think we've kind of maybe forgotten a little bit. At least I have kind of forgotten a little bit. But looking back at how beautiful and gorgeous the game is, especially on PS5. Again, another improvement over the previous one. We have way more like quests. There's way more. Story wasn't as good. Mm, I, it's not. I don't think it's any worse. I think it kind of suffers because it has to set up the next one in a way, and it kind of retroactively changes things from the first one in terms of like the Hades thing and all that. Well, everything in the game is better except the story was lacking a little bit in the direction. I mean, the direction was dope. The things that you made that you encounter midway are mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, but they didn't develop the way you kind of wanted them to. Right. Uh, I think voice work is just the same again. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Ashley Birch again as Aloy. Great. Yeah. Uh, the mocaps leagues better. The the expressions, like the, the peach fuzz, everything is leagues better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the enemy variety is way better than the first one. I think there's way more like awesome, like awe moments, like where like everything's like set up just perfectly for like a really cool showdown. I'm thinking of like the arena fight you've had a couple times in that big arena with the the I forget the tribe what they're called, but you know what I'm talking about. They had like that arena fight. Which fight? The ones where like they're all wearing blue like body paint. Like blue green body paint, lower half the map. Yeah, okay. or it's like the jungly area. Okay. Like I think of like all like the oh s- when you fight when you fight like the little hordes. Mm, yeah, but also you have like a very important main story fight there with like one of the chief antagonists, mm-hmm. the woman with the raptors. Yeah. So I, cause I can't remember her name right now, but like I like the introduction like you, like you reintroduce to some of the characters there's way more the the glider like all the new tools and all the new stuff they add to the game just make it so much better probably the 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 number one game i've ever when it comes to just taking in-game screenshots because the game is yes. gorgeous absolutely gorgeous uh stray so stray is another one stray okay this one's interesting because i give credit to stray because when it came out it was a cultural kind of juggernaut as you could say People were memeing, making memes and talking like just, oh, the cat game, the cat game. Even like outlets outside of games like CNN, I think there was like a Fox story. They were talking about the cat game. So Stray, definitely, I would put that under, not technical maybe, but that definitely warrants what I call the best experience in terms of creativity because it it was a social moment when it, it dropped. Like people were talking, kind of helps that's, you know, published by Annapurna, which people know for like movies and stuff. So Stray... I know Stray was big because people who in my circle who don't play video games were talking about it. If that makes sense. Like my best friend's wife, who doesn't really play that many, she does, but not really. She was talking about how like, oh, I got to pre-order this game because she's really into cats. So cats are, I mean, cats are kind of like a, you know, they appeal to everybody. But you played Stray, I think, right, Johnny? You played Stray. I love Stray. Yeah, Stray is a great game. Um, 
even I wouldn't say it's like you know power intensive when it comes to graphics, but the whole future retro cyber aesthetic definitely works for me. It's just really pretty to look at. the The way the game makes you feel stuff, even though the cat never speaks, he's kind of just like a surrogate for the audience, and you're just kind of going through these things, learning about these robots and. It's very. It doesn't wear out. It's welcome. It's a very short, compact game, and yet you still feel like you've had a full, proper journey by the end of the game. Uh, Stray, I think, definitely deserves to be here. Um, I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles three, and I've never really been into that particular uh, series. And I love JRPGs, but it's just always. I don't know. I just. It's never grabbed my attention the same way as like Final Fantasy or something else. I want to play it, but there's no way I'm gonna play it. By the end of, you know, by the time the awards go on, like, I'm not going to play it by then. There's too much stuff to play by now. But, um, yeah, I don't have much to say about Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I know it's the only one on here that's a Nintendo exclusive, I can tell you that. And from what I understand, it runs really well on the hardware, which is surprising because other games, which we're going to get a little bit into that later on, don't run as well on the Switch. Uh, some people are saying that this feels like the token Nintendo game, like Nintendo has to have something represented. I don't know if that's necessarily true because I haven't played it, so I can't say like that's true or false. But um, I think it is true because I think some complaints about complaints about it that this year or just even past game of the years, there is a heavy PlayStation lean. Now, before we, I want to address that by saying the kind of games that get recognition, especially for the game for game awards are heavy emotional narrative style games which is what playstation excels at when it comes to single player curated like oscar kind of if i could if i could make a proper comparison the curated single player kind of journey with emotion and family and all that kind of stuff is very much a thing that nintendo and xbox don't really do whereas playstation excels at a kind of thing i think that's why that kind of storytelling that kind of pedigree of games is associated with playstation for a reason now if, if you're talking about other categories like say multiplayer games i'm sure you would see way more like microsoft or xbox or like nintendo stuff and probably less playstation stuff if it was like a if it was like a multiplayer game category right i'd say more nintendo well, yeah what i'm saying is like you wouldn't really see playstation in that category at all really because they don't like not these days they're not focused on that right so um i feel because I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles 3, I would replace that with Kirby. Or I would replace Stray with Kirby, honestly. I think Kirby Forgotten Land, for me, that's the one, that's like the biggest snub. Because I really think that game is great. Probably the best Kirby game ever made. And then I think I would probably swap out either, again, either Stray or Xenoblade for, um, um, oh shoot. What was that game I loved earlier this year? I can't remember the name. Something at Dusk. Do you remember the one I was talking about? At Dusk. As Dusk Falls. As Dusk Falls. That was the one you said you didn't like the look where it was like kind of like a book, kind of like water, like shaded, the coloring, where it was like, it was like, like stop motion kind of like graphics, where it was like a story that takes place at a hotel. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I don't think those kind of games have massive that game compared to Stray. It has a really good story, like phenomenal story. I, did, I think just enough people didn't play it. I think, I think, I mean, part of it's personal bias, but I also think just enough people didn't play all the games that came out this year. So I think that's part of it too. But um, Johnny, what do you what do you think? I mean, I know where you. I was trying to think back to the games that I that I've played, but a lot of them are just old. Like Resident Evil didn't come out this year. That right? was last. Yeah, yeah. There's Resident Evil. Last year. Uh, there was Fist. 
last um, year yeah yeah uh everything this year for me has really comes down to horizon elden ring god of war stray but nothing i feel got snubbed you have yeah you've nothing played personal for me you've played half of these at least you played right you're playing ragnarok you played stray you played horizon you played elden ring even though you didn't really play that much you definitely played at least four of these six so i think you do have an idea of what warrants a game of the year kind of nominee now i know i'm pretty sure if i ask you right now you're gonna say ragnarok is your clear game of the year right absolutely even though you're not done with the game but yeah. so far right i mean it was before i got to the halfway point it was game of the year obviously for me it's right now it's still Elden ring but i'm not sure i don't know if it's clean yet i have to finish ragnarok to really know how i feel because we're gonna get into it later we're gonna talk about what we've been playing but like i'm not even sure if i would put ragnarok above horizon honestly i really don't know because yeah, that's, that's just a person because that's a hard decision because i'm thinking about it go ahead i i think of i'm just thinking of it which game do i enjoy more and i think just horizon i it's not as dark and somber as ragnarok is and i think i kind of enjoy i mean it is in a way but not really like i think the vibrancy of the world the amount of characters, the NPCs, it doesn't feel as lonely as Ragnarok. And I think maybe that's why I enjoy it, but that's like a personal bias for me. That's a that's personal thing. I'm thinking about the bias that I have. Uh, whether I feel like a game is absolutely like the most fun thing I've played, right? Yeah. And then also, I feel like I need to really consider the quality of the game. Like, for sure. How the game runs, the visuals, the voice acting, the character selection, like all that stuff, right? yeah so it's like objectively how do i feel about this game and then personally why do i love this game exactly right? like when i think of elden ring I, I prefer elden ring right now over ragnarok but like there's no question that ragnarok has a way better characters way better story like that's not that's not even up for debate and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the one of the other categories that's related to that but um i just i don't know there's something about elden ring that's hard for me to quantify like that like je ne sais quoi like it's hard for me to say I think I just like I'm, I prefer games where I'm allowed to play the way I want to play, and then you know, like when it comes to Ragnar God of War, like I've always kind of been bitter about the way the combat feels in relation to past God of War games. If I could just like separate it from the God of War games that I know previously, I think I would probably be a little more positive on it. But when it's like knowing what you've had before and losing that in terms of like just the feeling of how the game plays, I don't know. I th- I think I just kind of. I mourn for the previous games, which I liked how they handled better. If that makes sense. At the same time, Elden Ring, like that, it's multi-platform, so way more people have exposure to that outside of the PlayStation only, right? And it's just, I remember when that game came out, it was like a moment where people like the Maiden list and people making all these, co- again, it's like, it's the stray thing where like it hits the pop, the culture of gaming way harder. And I think, and I think Ragnarok does for me. Because it's across technical, but also creative. So I kind of go... It's an all-encompassing of different things of how people have reacted. Like, like which game has left more of an impact on the industry? I think it... I think Elden Ring is an anomaly, like I've said before. And you've also said, like, yeah, I think it's an anomaly. It's but the I only think, FromSoft game I've ever completed. But I'll tell I, you that. I think it also has to do with, uh, like, world factors. Um, we're still kind of lingering on the pandemic, right? When that game came out. That was earlier this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's that. There's the fact that everybody wanted a, a Bloodborne 
and they're not getting bloodborne and that's all true. of a sudden this game hits and it's like well wait a minute let's check this thing out for and sure a lot of the hype from bloodborne just transferred right over to elden ring you're right you're right about that now the interesting thing about that johnny is no one has ever won game of the year more than once god of war ragnarok and elden ring are both from studios who have won game of the year at least once before with the previous god of war 2018 and then the and then the year after from so one with a uh, sekiro which was it's 2019 not the, same game, though. not the same game same studio though is what i'm trying to say here not the same game same studio but it's interesting that uh, I really do think those are the two front runners. I don't think any of the other four have a chance, really. No way. And it's going to be interesting that no matter who wins, it's going to be a break from tradition. Is what I'm saying. I find that interesting that one of these past winners is going to have to win again. But Elden doesn't have a sequel. I don't know how it's a break. No, no. I'm talking about the studio. I'm not talking about the games themselves. I'm talking about the the, win, the studio winning the studio. It's t- it's a Souls game. It plays like a Souls game. It's just not in name. What about The Last of Us? Did they both win Game of the Year? No. The first one, I don't think it did. The first Last of Us, I I th- believe... that. Okay, so that was before the Game Awards was officially a thing. That was... Oh, okay. Yeah. I think the Game Awards started being a thing in 2013 or 2014. And the first Last of Us came out, like, what, 2012, I think? Could be wrong on that. But a little bit before that. So it doesn't, technically doesn't count. So it never even had a chance. Yeah, see, that's a interesting example because The Last of Us Part 1, absolutely, I think, should be a Game of the Year. Right? Last of Us Part 2 won it back Last two years ago. Last of Us Part 2 won it. Two years ago. On a technical level, far superior game, but I don't feel like it deserved it. What was it? Do you remember what it was up against that year? Because I don't really remember. I don't. That's a good question, too. I don't know. I don't remember, but for sure, I think Last of Us 2, well, I, you and I disagree on this. I think that game surpasses the first one in every way, but... um. Anyways, trying to look at these other categories. Even a story? I think there's no way that story hits me harder. The story definitely hits me harder because of because of part one. Because part one built a. Well, yeah, it has. Of course, it has to build off what came before. And but I think I think that's kind of you can fumble a story. Like if you look at Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, Attack of the Clones is like not even a good movie compared to the Phantom Menace. So because they just ruin the characters of Anakin and all that stuff. Anyways. Uh, Johnny's going to the next categories we got. So this is the best narrative. This one's funny to me just because I don't think it really applies. The, oh, the nominees for best narrative are Plague Tale Requiem again, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality, who I'll tell you right now, I believe deserves the win for this one. Immortality is a crazy game, but also they include Elden Ring in this category. Now that's really weird. What is the category? narrative best narrative yeah, it's hard to keep track with all the fucking games and then the yeah category. this is best narrative Elden ring probably has the least story of any of these games it's just such a weird weird nominee for this category best narrative because there's so many youtube videos that basically break down and explain what the story is because it is so hard to understand what the story in Elden ring is even about it's just so yeah. For the time I played, unfocused. It, there was no story. It's so unfocused. So for it to be included for best narrative, I find that really funny. I almost kind of like, did you guys even play the same game that we play? Kind of thing. Um, Ragnarok. So Ragnarok. If you haven't, if you, you guys don't already know, I'm, I'm sure Johnny already knows. Ragnarok pretty much leads the game awards in terms of total nominations in across all categories. It has, I think, twelve nominations. 
And then Elden Ring and Horizon are both tied for 11 right behind it. So I find that funny how Ragnarok technically is taking the lead and then another Sony exclusive is tied for second with a band. Uh, but band that is odd to nominate for narrative. Yeah. And then some people are taking issue with Ragnarok having so many nominations because they could say it's like recency bias where people only remember the most recent thing that came out. Now you have to remember a lot of the games media had review codes for Ragnarok weeks before it actually came out for the rest of us. Yeah, but that's also done because then uh, Elden Ring has like multi-platform advantage. That's true. Also, and I don't know how it's going to play out this year, pretty much every single time the game of the year comes out or whatever, it's almost always a game from the first half of the year. So when The Last of Us Part Two one that came out in June, when Sekiro one that came out like in March or something, the only times it hasn't happened was with Ragnar was with the God of War twenty eighteen and I think ooh, one other game. So a lot of people think the prevailing theory is that Elden Ring might win just because it came out earlier in the year and traditionally Game of the Year winners are from the first half of the year. Traditionally, that's just kind of the I don't know what you call it coin flip the rand the. That's just how traditionally it turns out. I don't know if that's true. In that case, I think Horizon probably has a better chance than Ragnarok in that case. Because that came out early, early this year. I feel like there's a lot of rebuttals to a lot of these. uh... Okay, they're saying uh, it's recent, right? Yeah. So it has a bias because it's recent. Like people most remember it most recently and kind of forgotten about the other stuff because it's like way earlier in the year. But it's silly because in the past, most Game of the Year winners are from the first half of the year anyways. But see... This recency bias thing is dumb too because because the fact that it's so recent makes it less likely that people have played it. No, oh. no, no, no. It makes it it makes it so I don't know how to say this shit. Uh, people are being being super critical of the game right now. Oh, okay. So it's the most criticized game right now versus a game that was early in the year. People are just gonna walk away, and right now they're just gonna keep the fond memories of it, you know, without all the the critiques. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Uh, let's go into because we have time. We have time. Let's go because I, I want to hear your point on this one. For best performance, so that's it says awarded to an individual for voice over acting, motion, or performance capture. Uh, we have Ashley Birch, of course, as Aloy, right in Forbidden West. We have uh, Charlotte McBurney, who's uh, Amicia in Plague Tale. She's phenomenal, by the way. We have Christopher Judge as Kratos in Ragnarok. We have Man Engage for Immortality. I honestly think she deserves it. She is phenomenal immortality. And then we have Sunny Suljic for Ragnarok. I'm not sure who that character is. Do you know who that is? Sunny no. Suljic? Someone from Ragnarok. Johnny, between Ashley Birch and Christopher Judge, so between Aloy and Kratos, who do you think so far is a better performer? Aloy. Really? Uh, Atreus is nominated, right? Mm, oh, is Atreus Sunny? No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is. Is it? Is she? Oh, maybe. No, it's him. Sonny is a Atreus. Oh, I don't know. I guess... I don't know. I have to look it up. But okay, why do you think Aloy over Kratos? Do you think... Why? Is it just because you had more time with Aloy? Or... I want to tell you, Aloy feels like a very stiff character, I think, in terms of... Well, that was one of the... That was one of the gripes in part two versus part one. I feel like part one, she was a little bit more uh, cheerful. Mm-hmm. And in part two, she seems like a little like, oh, I got to save these people again. I got to figure out. You're right. That is Atreus. Atre- Atre- you're right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, but I love her character. Like, Alo is very goofy. She's smug. Uh, I think she's a great character. 
Atreus right here, though, he plays his part really well. Mm-hmm. You got me? Yeah, I especially way better than the first one, I'll tell you that. He's, he's like, in some ways he's more annoying, but his annoyingness is much more understandable to me than it was in the first one. Or like, I get where he's coming from compared to the first one where he's just like, oh, we're gods, we should be able to do whatever we want. I just didn't like his character in the first one. Here, he seems way more human, but just his portrayal as like, like the voiceover and like the way, he, like the, the facial expressions are just so much better than I think the first one. Like he, like this actor has got way more experience in between, I think. So yeah, between those two though, mm-hmm. I would still give it to Aloy. Oh yeah, for sure. Between, yeah, Aloy. I think Christopher Judge as, as Kratos, pretty good, pretty good. But at the same time, Kratos doesn't really emote that much other than just anger. Well, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't really he's not doing Shakespearean like prose or like, you know, he's not doing nah, that. No, I think I think Christopher does a great job, but they just didn't give him the lines. Yeah. Like that's as what I'm a, saying, yeah. as a father, he's great. He gives you those one-liners of advice that just hit really well, right? Yeah. Like Way more than the, than the first one, yeah. Like when he's yelling, like you feel like you really feel the testosterone, you're like that's my fucking guy, he's going to destroy everything. Or when right? he gets pissed off at uh, Atreus like like oh, like I feel like secondhand like ner- like yeah, not you cringe, feel, but I feel, you feel like kind of nervous like yeah. oh, what's he going to do? Like, like oh, he's about to slap shit. this kid, yeah. 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 <laughs> but I I still feel like they should have give uh Kratos a little bit oh. more parts where he's because he's a father now. Yeah. Right? And a little more it, range, maybe. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more range. Like, maybe he's uh, he's having just lunch with his son, right? And he's having a good time and he's laughing. I would have mm. been fine with that. Uh, maybe it would have broke the uh, stoicism from Kratos. Sure. But he can't, I want, he can't let his guard down. Yeah, yeah exactly. But I, I wanted more, a little bit more out of Kratos. It would have got to him, but I'm going to give it to Ashley. Yeah, honestly, I'm thinking about all of these because these are all basically these are this. It's no coincidence. It's not a coincidence that all these performances are also nominated for Game of the Year. We well, except for Immortality, that's not. But like all looking at all five of these, like it is so hard to choose because, I mean, you haven't played a uh, Plague Tale Requiem, but Charlotte, she's amazing. Her voice overwork, she won an award for her original voice work in the first Plague Tale, and then you didn't play Immortality, but man, the meta ness of if you haven't played Immortality, for those who are listening, it's basically a game about three movies that were supposedly made, but those three movies were never released for various reasons, and you're investigating why those three movies were never released. But in those three movies of, in the game, there is actual, like, filming done. There's actual, like, like this character, um, I forgot her name in the... In, I forgot her name in the game, but the actress, Manning Gage, like, she's playing three different characters within this game and like all of them feel like real movie performances she is like phenomenal so you guys need you guys should need to check her out in immortality but honestly like all five of these can't like whoever wins like i'm gonna be like yeah they deserve it because it's just it's just like top top tier so i i no matter who wins i won't be upset i think it'll be like yep like that's that's who deserves it so um Anyways, Johnny, uh, let's see. We, I want to look at one more category before I move on. I don't want to take up too much time. But uh, Okay, do you want to do audio design or do you want to do the best art direction? Art direction. Okay, we'll do art direction real quick. Because there's like 30-something categories. We're not going to talk about all of them, especially when some of them are... There's always the silly ones that I feel have nothing to do with anything, like uh, most anticipated game. Like, why is that even a... Cat? Like, how do you win an award for just promising something? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because... 
Fuck it. Or best uh, esports athlete. I don't follow esports. Best esports team. I don't. Best esports coach. Like those are always the categories. They feel like throwaway categories for me. Like just to have something on there. You know what I mean? What's the game we talked about last uh, week? We talked about uh, a game that would have been good for Iron Man. Anthem. Anthem was super hyped, and it would have got an award for nothing. The game was a total fucking flop. Yeah. All right, so here we have her best art direction. It says, for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design animation. Of course, the main three, Elden Ring, God of War, Horizon Forbidden West. But here we have Scorn, and we also have Stray. If you haven't played Scorn, Scorn is a very ugly game. And I don't mean ugly like graphics. I mean ugly like it's very visceral with like body parts. And it's like, you know what body horror is, Johnny? Uh, no. Are you familiar with body horror? Like, mouths are, like, sewn shut. Uh, like, limbs missing or limbs added. Mm-hmm. It's very kind of, like, you look at this and this looks like some kind of, like, occultish. Scorn just looks like a very... I look at the game and it gives me, like, goosebumps in a bad way. Well, it looks like Alien. Kind of. it. Yes. Very Alien-like. Like the... It just feels very uncomfortable to look at, but that's the whole point. Xenomorphs. Yes. It's kind of like that. We're, like... like it just get, you have like a visceral reaction where like you feel grossed out, but it's meant it's designed that way on purpose though. So uh, best art direction, I think between all of these, I'm leaning towards Horizon because that game is just so lush and full of like pastels and colors across the entire range. It's definitely prettier to look at than I think Ragnarok, even though Ragnarok looks higher fidelity. I definitely want to make comparisons with those, but I I think we'll wait. Okay. Horizon has amazing facial animations. For sure. Ragnaroks are great, but the fidelity doesn't feel it's as good. I think Ragnarok is smoother for me. It's my experience is Does Ragnarok it? runs smoother than Horizon. Oh. What do you mean runs runs smoother or looks smoother? I think everything just because you have to deal with the Norse setting, like winter and like you're kinda handicapped in a way in terms of like what you can show because of the setting very scandinavian very like european whereas horizons like future apocalyptic floral like uh terraforming like you're there's like so much more color like variety whereas ragnarok it has to is constrained because it has to be constrained right to like winter european i'm talking about just the aesthetic of the game but when, when i was saying smoothness i was talking about like frame rate i think ragnarok runs smoother by default than horizon uh, Back to what you said, I, I mean, I sort of agree with the constraints, but I think it just has more to do with the engines. Like, Horizon is on the Gorilla engine, and Santa Monica has her own. The De- Decima. Yeah. De- uh, yeah. So I just absolutely fucking love uh, the Decima engine. It's got Horizon, and then it's got Death Stranding. And those look... Uh, Death Stranding are some of my best shots in gaming. What is Ragnarok running on again? Do you remember? No, I think they, they have their own... Proprietary? Yeah. Okay, I don't, yeah, I don't remember the... Off the hat. It's definitely not. It's amazing. Like when you walk into a a new realm and there's a ton of foliage. Like that game is so fucking dense, dude. Yeah. Like it definitely looks prettier than the previous one. You walk around to to different realms, and there's so much variety in the plant life and the things that they're doing. Like the way it just climbs out of the like the ancient uh, ruins, right? You walk into a place and I'm oh, like... Oh, like the Ironwoods? I love the Ironwoods. Well, the thing is, everywhere I go, every corner I look at in Ragnarok, mm-hmm. I don't feel like, oh, they just copied this little space. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Everything is It looks like it's handcrafted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't... I don't think... I, I mean, other than like crates and barrels, you don't really see like that many reused assets throughout the same level. 
And I, I think of like the minor spoilers, but you guys aren't going to know what those names mean. But like the Ironwood, when you're in the dwarf realm, when you're in the other realm, like they all like desert, forest, uh, jungle, ice, like every biome is like almost represented. Even when you're in a, a desolate place where nothing is, it's deprived of life and you see nothing but rocks, all the rocks still look unique. Yes. Well, they I all have different shapes. I'm just thinking of the part where, like, many spoilers where someone, like, does a spell and, like, it rebuilds the ruins and it just looks so beautiful. Like, when they they, like, they pull up and go into, like, formation. And, All like, right. Uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I know. can't wait for I that. I promise we were going to talk about that later. But um, anyways, Johnny. Oh, I remember now. The last category I wanted to talk about, which is really funny to me, uh, is best fighting game. Now, the reason why this is controversial for some people who follow fighting games is that there's a nominee here that technically doesn't belong. So it says, for the best game designed primarily around head-to-head combat. So that implies a multiplayer aspect, right, Johnny? Head-to-head, right? You have uh, something called DNF Duel. That's like, I don't know, it's an Arc System game. You have JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, The King of Fighters 15, Multiverses, and Sifu. Which of these do you think does not belong, Johnny? Sifu. Yeah. That's the one people are having issues with because Sifu technically is a single-player narrative fighting game. But it's not a fighting game in the sense that you are versus other, like, humans. Like, the other four nominees, which are pure fighting games. Multiverses is, a, like, a Smash Brothers clone. King of Fighters is, like, a Street Fighter-style game. Yeah, I mean, God of War could be a fighter. Under that if you wanted to, because Kratos can fight barehanded, like, would you put that here? No, probably oh. not, right? So it seems weird. People are kind of having... They're taking up contention with Sifu being here. And a lot of people are saying, like, Sifu is only here because they feel like that game has to be represented somewhere. Like, like a, almost like a token default representation. What do you think about that, Johnny? Do, does that seem like a valid argument? Well, is it in any other category? It could have been, like, innovative, right? Because that combat system seems to be pretty brand new. Well, no, because the combat system is very similar to... Uh, it's from the same studio they made uh, Res- uh absolver do you remember absolver that fighting game i tried it i didn't like it okay it's the exact same style the exact same thing yeah. so if you didn't really care for absolver i don't think you really can care for sifu but uh okay let me look at the innovative one because i want to see what you're talking about uh best innovation access you weren't talking about accessibility right no innovation best direction games for impact that's going where was that innov- i'm sorry i can't find it where's it say Best innovation. That's what I thought. You could skip it. It's fine. I don't think I said... I said innovation and accessibility. I don't think there's innovation on its own. Oh. Because yeah. I, I assume they had innovation innovation like uh, Callisto Protocol. Have you seen their uh, new system? How the body tears apart? Yeah, but they're not They're not talking about that. All right. No, they're talking about like accessibility. But um, anyways, that's enough of that, Johnny. So I, I, just, I just felt like we had to talk about the nominees. Just because it is a thing. And of course, no matter what point you're listening to this, the Game Awards are December 8th. I think at some point in the evening. I just know it's December 8th. Um, I think that's like on a Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember. But it's like in the middle of the week, which is really weird. But I don't know. Maybe they couldn't find a better date for it. I don't know. It's, yeah, December 8th. Uh, next month. Is it even worth watching for me? I don't think it is. I pretty much just watched for the reveals. Like for whatever new game gets announced, because oh, there's right. a, that's kind there's of the some reason. there's some rumors that there's gonna be some major game reveals supposedly, uh, from Sony and also from uh, 
uh, Nintendo supposedly. So they're hinting at it, or someone else. Is rumors. Hinting. People are just picking up rumors on like certain things lining up in terms of like patents being filed and uh, saying like save the date for specific like companies that almost never like tweet out stuff. Okay. Oh, since we're still on the um, topic, I, I think, think Kojima's supposed to have something supposedly predictions. So I think Elden Ring is gonna take uh, Game of the Year. My preference is uh, God of War for Game mm-hmm. of the Year. Right. Everything else, it's probably gonna come down to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn or God of War. Mm-hmm. So those are gonna. I think those are gonna take the bulk of the awards. Sure. Um, and then, as far as watching the award show. Man, there's so much, so many fucking commercials that are often not even related to video games. <laughs> Gillette with the yeah, the Gillette shaving commercials and uh, just whatever movie happens to be out at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I don't think my main game is gonna win Game of the Year, I don't really care for it. The only thing I care for are the reveals. But all I really need to do for that is just, just watch stay, the YouTube trailer. Yeah, just stay tuned on the PlayStation YouTube channel, and then there it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're not the first to say that. I've seen it on Twitter some people are just being like, "Oh, like I'm not gonna even tune in this year," and it's like, like I'll just find out who won whatever like after because it really is a slog. It's like I don't know how long it's this year, but I remember last year's was like three hours plus. Yeah, yeah it's just nuts. and some people just don't want to sit through that, and I completely understand. But for me, like it's like a once a t- once a year kind of thing that's kind of just like a celebration of like video games. So like it's just, for me like that's the hype. That's like the draw for me. But also the reveals, the Whenever something embarrassing or silly happens, like, you know, the fuck the Oscars guy, like, Joseph Ferris, and, like, you know, like, those little, like, cultural, gaming cultural, like, little things happen, like, it's just nice to be on the cusp of that kind of stuff, in my opinion, my opinion. All right, what are your predictions? Uh, just because of past tradition, I I do think Elden Ring is going to win, um, but I I, I agree with you, I think God of War is probably going to sweep a lot of the other categories, and just because it, even in the performance category, they represented twice there with Atreus and with Kratos, whereas every other game is only rep- has one represented. So they, so already there they have the numbers game going for them. Also, God of the Year, I mean God of the Year, God of War. <laughs> I don't even know what a God of the Year would mean. Would mean, but God of War does have just by one more more nominations. So it makes sense that it has statistically a higher chance of sweeping. I think the numbers are just in its favor. So. And I think Elden Ring, even though it is lauded, even though it is celebrated, I still think a lot of people, like such as yourself and others, it's just, it's an accessibility issue where not that many people finish the game. So I think it's not an accessibility; that's a preference. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. Preference. Yeah. Well, I mean, accessibility in terms of difficulty is what I meant. But yeah, preference. I think a lot of people just it's a hard game. It's a hard game. And yeah, that's not the reason I don't play. No, but I'm thinking that it could be why maybe least, less people have probably played it, is my thought. I think audio design, I don't know if I'm going to check if it's... This is another category I really like because it's one of those things that does add to a game. And of course, yeah. Uh, real quick, it says, recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design, Call of Duty Marvel for 2, I think that's an easy cinch. Because when it comes to audio design, like Call of Duty is always on the mark when it comes to audio design. You also have Elden Ring, Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7... And Horizon are the other nominees for Best Audio Design. Damn, the Horizon sounds really stick out. They're, like, unique. Horizon sound, like, yeah. music and sound effects and everything? I mean, Call of Duty, you just got to record something existing, right? Just make it accurate. 
Yeah. But Horizon... But gotta, I'm saying that's part of the, with all these creative sounds. But that's part of the craft, Johnny, is getting it right. Getting it to sound like... Like, when a bullet misses you, like, the sound, it's like... Like, it's... Certain things they can record and certain things, like, even the music, like, they had to come up with that, right? And Call of Duty, especially from the campaign, like, it has some phenomenal, like, level music. Like, just great map music, I think. Uh, give it to Horizon. Horizon's alright. Elden Ring, like, uh... Music wise, Elden Ring has like one really good song, but like none of the nothing else impresses me. Ragnarok, again, we're gonna talk about this in a little bit. Surprisingly good music, and I say surprisingly compared to the previous one. Again, again, Gran Turismo. I don't know about Gran Turismo. I just hear, I just think of Room. Room. I was thinking that initially. You didn't oh. play Gran Turismo Seven, right? You played the other one, the Sport, whatever. Sport, yeah. I was thinking Gran Turismo, but it's the same thing as Call of Duty. Just it's got to be accurate for me. <laughs> record I think cards. it's it's got to be. It comes down to creativity. For sure, it's yeah, it's it's. Well, it's recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design, so it's kind of loose with the definition. But um, anyways, Ryan, I think that's enough game of the year. I'm sorry, game awards talk. Uh, let's keep it going with some other stories, shall we? Yeah. All right. Moving on. December 8th, guys, be there or just do what Johnny does and catch up on the news on the day after. Next, we have this article from IGN written by... It was a girthy segment. It was girthy. I think we should have added that to the end. <laughs> well, you, okay. I wanted to leave with the biggest thing and then just kind of just trickle out from there. All right, let's go. Uh, written by Robert Anderson. It says, Microsoft drops Xbox Series S price to 240 for Black Friday. It says here, Microsoft has officially dropped the price. Hold on. There's an update. It says, retailers have continued to discount the Xbox Series S, and it can now be bought for 240 from Amazon and 235 from Dell. So we updated the original story below to reflect this. Microsoft has officially dropped the price of the Xbox Series S for the holidays. This is a part of its Xbox Black Friday promotion sale where you can also find up to 67% off digital games, up to $25 off Xbox controllers, and plenty more as well. This is probably the best deal we're going to see when it comes to the new gen consoles this coming Black Friday. For a limited time only, you can get $60 off the smallest Xbox ever, the Xbox Series S, and set yourself up for one of the best years the Xbox has ever had in 2023. Moreover, this deal also makes the Xbox Series S officially cheaper than the most popular gaming console, the Nintendo Switch, which is also set to have its own Black Friday deals. While you're here, several retailers have also got Xbox controllers down to just $39.99 right now for Black Friday, which is another superb deal. Don't miss out on... Okay, they talk about like their IGN deals. Like It's like their page where they promote stuff. Um, and they just talk about games coming out for Xbox. That's not really related to the story. So, Giant, real quick. So... If you were keeping score, or if you remember last year, the Series S was the highest selling uh, system of the fall time of a uh, Black Friday, and I think that whole fall season. It seems like Microsoft's just trying to keep that momentum again with claiming like the holidays again with the Series S dropping it to two forty because I think last year it wasn't even discounted. I think it was at full three hundred dollar retail. The fact that they're going down to two forty during inflation, I think they're trying to get it. They're trying to get the last bit. They're trying to squeeze out the last bit of milk out of the Series S before they're forced to up those prices come 2023. So, and then it's not mentioned in the story, but for anybody who still wants a who wants to take advantage of this, if you get it from Target, Target actually throws in a fifty dollar gift card with the Series S. So you're t- you're basically getting it for almost one ninety at that point, if you think about it. 
So you buy the Series S at, for two fifty or two forty, I think, at Target, you get a fifty dollars gift card. So it's if you, in a way, you can kind of deduct that from the price. That's so really cheaper, but you can't convert it to hard cash. So it's definitely not the same thing. But if you're gonna go to Target and you want to get the Series S, just keep that in mind. Um, John, do you have any thoughts about the? Do you think this is kind of like a desperate play before twenty twenty three? What's your thought? No, it just makes total sense to me. Now, how come? No one else is doing this. this is a Switch always has Black Friday's deals, but it's always the exact same one where it's still at retail, but now it has Mario Kart added to it. So it's still at $300. And that system's like five years old already. It annoys me that they never drop the hardware price for that. It's just, hold on, guys. It just it just really does annoy me that they don't do that for that. Yeah, Nintendo plays a lot of games. Well, they're kind of like the Disney of the video games. We're like, like we know our value, and therefore we'll never like capitulate in go down in in price it's just annoying i wish they would johnny is there anything you're excited looking forward to on black friday mm-hmm. other than have you checked out the playstation black friday so it's going on right now until next friday uh, really? i told you i didn't look into it but i checked my wish list but oh, okay I, like i've said everything that i like is on ps5 it's on ps5 or it hasn't released like callisto protocol that shit looks fucking amazing I don't know if that's a PS5 exclusive or not. Well, that's not even coming out for Black Friday. That's like December. No, I know. That's what I'm oh. saying. But everything that I like, there's no way it's going to be on, on these sales. Oh, so you're saying you're waiting until like the big stuff drops like this, the end of the season kind of. Stuff that's not even going to be on sale for Black Friday. You're not even like tripping over. No. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm kind of looking at Tiny Tina's Wonderland because that's a game that came out this year. But I didn't feel like paying full price for just because I, I love Borderlands, but not that much. They're on PSN. I think it's $35, which is like the right price for me. I might pick it up. The only reason I'm hesitating is because I'm just playing so many stuff that I don't even know when I would get to it. And by the time I get to it, maybe it's already cheaper than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe I can hold out a little bit. But, Wait, what's the regular price? Uh, 60 Because it came out this year. Mm. Yeah. Because I've done that mistake before where I bought games that were on sale and I still haven't played them. I just bought them because they were on sale and I thought they wouldn't stay at that sale price. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I'd probably wait on that. And I think PS5 controllers are also dropping to 50 bucks. So I might pick up another one. That's crazy. Yeah, as part of the Black Friday sale at, uh, I think, Best Buy? That's a pretty good deal. Or Walmart. One of those two. That's like about almost $30 off, I think, of what it's normally. so Or $20 off what it's normally at. So... Yeah, because I think they're normally $70. Yeah, it's not crazy, but it is a good deal. It's a good deal. So I might I might do that. My friend Miko brought it up to me, so I might do that. Um, so anyways, not really a story story, but just something to put people on notice if they're interested. Giant, let's go on to our next article. This one comes from Push Square, written by Sammy Barker. It says, Sony played a role in bringing the Callisto Protocol to life. Let's check it out. Says Sony's Visual Arts Service Group is one of the unsung heroes in PlayStation's portfolio. There's been talk about attaching a fully fledged development team to the department for years, but its main remit is to help other studios realize their visions. And this doesn't just apply to first party projects, as its motion capture space has been rented by various third parties over the years. And we go down to it says one upcoming title that the divisions held out. Oh, yeah, the, the division, not the game, just the this division within PlayStation helped out on is the Callisto Protocol. With all the cinematics being shot on location at Sony's 
Motion Capture Studio. And according to Michael Mumbauer, a former director and studio head at VHGA, and the guy who also sent me that hoodie, the collaboration runs deeper than that. It wasn't just the use of the mocap studio. PlayStation contributed quite a lot to cinematics and more. It's going to be a banger, end quote. Striking Distance Studios, the developer of the Cluster Protocol, is a brand new team, but it really impressed us with the overall quality of its sci-fi horror in the demo we tested earlier this year. Okay, they're just kind of talking now about like their their hands-on with the game. Uh, and that's pretty much it, Joni. So I didn't know that. I honestly did not know that PlayStation rents out its own. Like I know they use, they have like this map. We've seen it before. Have you seen like any of the God of War documentaries or any other stuff? Like they have this massive space for mocap and all that stuff. But I really just thought it was only for first party stuff. I didn't know that they rented it out or even like helped out like other studios with their stuff. Like, that's kind of cool. Johnny, anything? Because you brought the story to me, so I thought you I did. Uh, I just wanted to talk about Callisto Protocol because it looks amazing. <laughs> like, this is yeah, your way of sneaking I, that I in. Forgot, I forgot we had this story, and I had already brought this game up twice in this podcast. <laughs> uh, this game just looks fantastic. Uh, it really does, especially just the gore. Like, remember we were talking about like how they went to mortuaries and, like, examine bodies to see how the body like reacts to like blunt force trauma and like lacerations and like because we we're talking about how like how gross of a job that must be but also how cool it is at the same time yeah but aside from how great this game looks i want to see how it's com- going to compete because so many horror games are going to come out well a month after we get dead space remake which is when like we get dead space i think that's when we get resident evil 5 it, for me that's kind of like the ford versus Four. ferrari kind of thing because yeah. The devs working on Callisto came from uh, the OGs, the OGs from Dead Space. So it's kind of be like, it's like a Call of Duty Medal of Honor situation where Call of Duty was made by devs who broke away from Medal of Honor. Yeah. So it's kind of like, who did it better, the original or the the new blood? You know what I mean? The, the yeah. new take. My uh, YouTube algorithm really knows I like this game. Like every it, you time just get new, it's just on the sidebar. <laughs> like, hey, look at this, look at this. Like, we have more Callisto. Is there still more stuff coming out? Like, is there still more like yeah there behind, was, like screenshots and every videos? every time I I see a new thing that they drop it's got new content it's so not it's not just, just rehash, rehash stuff okay. yeah they have a they dropped one today um, and it looks great it's a it's a little bit the trailer is based a little bit more on the story okay this time uh, and then they put out a a different segment where they're talking about. A little bit more on the uh, on the systems, like mm-hmm. it talks about them looking at the light through the skin, right? Okay, that type of thing, and then how you how the like body... translucency and stuff yeah, like the that. translucency, or when you put a bullet in one of the monsters, it creates a hole, and if you put it in the same spot, the hole gets bigger, right? The or if you hit him on the side. if yeah. you hit him on in the head, the head cracks differently every time. That's cool. Uh, that you, reminds me of the remember Sniper Elite where you would like snipe somebody, yeah, 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 and it would show you like all the like trauma on the inside, well, like Mortal Kombat too. Oh, yeah, Mortal Kombat has that system too, where it shows like the bones cracking. Yeah, and... it it shows enemies getting hit on the side, and then you can see the rib cage open up, or uh, that's it. That's impressive. you chop off like their body parts on their arm. Like their systems are so multi layered, is what's impressive. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know yeah. I was doing all that. I mean, I knew the limbs because that's like a Dead Space mainstay where you cut off the limbs to kill yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah, right. so so there's that system. The story looks decent. Everything looks great, and it, it kind of feels like uh, the other games are not gonna keep up. Like Resident Evil's not gonna have any of that shit. I don't no, think. but also Resident Evil isn't really geared towards that. It's more like 
horror with like puzzles I, and third person and so the remakes for resident evil have been amazing they've been great but i think they are still resting on their laurels for sure for sure i think well also i think people know what resident evil is like and they don't want a drastic departure from that either no but there's things that people would not complain about like that gore system I mean, people will not complain about that. As long as it wouldn't like interfere with like, I don't want it to stop what we're doing to just zoom in, X-ray, and like look at what. Well, it's not doing X-ray. It's all like, real well, time. you made the Mortal Kombat like comparison earlier, where they do that, where like they stop the action, zoom in on the trauma, and yeah. like show what's happening. Like no, it's scripted. Kombat, you know what I mean, it's it, scripted. It doesn't even compare to the system that Callisto has. Oh, okay. So like that would be annoying if every time you did that, like it would stop. No, it's not doing that. Okay, it's... everything is real time. Oh, okay, that's cool then. All right. Let's move on, Johnny. We got two more stories. Next one. This one comes from The Gamers. As Legacy of Kane survey gets over 100,000 responses, Crystal Dynamics says it hears fans loudly. Crystal Dynamics sought to gauge interest in a potential revival of the Legacy of Kane series as it opened up the, quote, Legacy of Kane franchise survey, end quote, to participants last month. Johnny. Hold on. Actually, I'll wait till I finish reading. It reviewed an unexpectedly large amount of responses, and the publisher has taken note. In the past, we found that surveys typically get between 1,000 and 3,000 responses. But when we asked for folks, uh, I'm sorry, when we asked folks about Legacy of Kane, we received over 100,000 responses. End quote. Crystal Dynamics and IDO CEO Phil Rogers said in an earnings call with parent company Embracer. Rogers revealed that a staggering 73,000 fully completed the questionnaire. This is an impressive number considering the expense, I'm sorry, extensive nature of the survey, which asked respondents a whole list of questions including what platform what platforms players used, what genres they were interested in, and featured multiple choice questions. One asked participants to choose five options for, quote, what, in your opinion, are the core features of an enjoyable vampire game, end quote, and included options such as moral ambiguity, moral ambiguity vampire mythology, Shape-shifting, puzzles, combat, nocturnal living, among 19 options. So that's an in-depth survey. We wanted to gain a community perspective on what players are looking for should we revisit the land of Nosgoth and our iconic IP, Legacy of Kane. Rogers said. We saw the news of our survey shared across social and press platforms, and we really felt this was a great way to reignite this passionate fan community with this legendary PC and console game series. Rest assured... We hear you loudly and clearly, and we will continue to update you on the what-if possibilities ahead of Legacy of Cain in the future. The survey also brought up the nature of the revival with respondents required to rank in order of preference if a new game should be a remaster, a remake, a reboot of the series, or a sequel to the original games. That's a lot of options. It was a comprehensive questionnaire, but since so many responded, it seems Crystal Dynamics now has a boat, but, but, boatload of data to help them steer a potential project. The original title, Blood Omen, Legacy of Kane, appeared on the PlayStation in 1996, developed by Silicon Knights and published by Crystal Dynamics. The follow-up, Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver, was directed by Amy Hennig, now best known for her work on the Uncharted series. And the most recent entry in the series is 2003's Legacy of Kane Defiance. Yep. It's been that long, Kane, Kane fans. Hopefully, the series will see a new game after the response the survey had. Johnny, you actually texted me when you told me, I think, I don't know if that was as you finished, but you told me that you texted me that you essentially filled out the survey yourself. Is that correct? 
Yeah, you sent it to me. And I thought it was cool, so I filled out the whole oh, survey. Because I didn't fill it out. I was just like, oh, Johnny, look at this. I just wanted to grab your interest, but I didn't think you would actually fill out the survey. Do you remember, like, some of the questions? Were they really that, like, in-depth? Did you finish the whole thing? or were you one I of the finished people? it. I don't or were remember. you one of the 20,000 who just kind of submitted without finishing the whole thing? No, I completed the thing. It wasn't that difficult. Um, I forgot the a lot of the questions, but some of them were like, do you want this to be, like, an open world, a uh, linear game? So I Do wanted you how you voted. Yeah, I wanted a heavy, linear, heavy, uh, linear, yeah. heavy narrative, linear game. I wanted a lot of horror. I wanted deep combat. Um, so like a dark God of War. Yes, uh, I wanted a. What was the other part? Um. I don't remember what else. Do you remember what you responded to the remake, remaster, reboot, or oh, new game? Oh, I put reboot. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to remake. So you wanted to complete scrap the previous stuff and start the lore all over. I don't want to. No, no, no. Well, that's what a reboot is. You kind of like... No. A reboot is like you kind of just like erase the past and start over with the same elements. No, right? No. You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. So, so like a remake then? Like a full remake then? No, I don't want to remake. I don't want to rehash of the same exact thing. A reboot... Okay, to me, the reboot is we're going to reboot mechanics. For oh. the most part. I was thinking like story and stuff. No, aesthetics, mechanics. Any reboot has to keep the story intact. Well, a reboot's different from like a sequel, you know what I mean? Because that, sequel is another option. Reboot and sequel are not the same thing. A reboot's like you're starting over the story from the beginning and you're changing stuff. And then no a, se- a sequel is like we're continuing with the previous storyline. Right, those were the four options. Remaster is just the same game again, just HD. Remake is the same exact game, but like you change like some of the mechanics and stuff, like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. And then a reboot is like we're changing, we're starting from scratch, and then none of the some of the story elements might carry over, but they're going to be like tinkered with in a different way. And then a sequel is just a straight up sequel to whatever where we left off. Okay, for me, a reboot has to be eighty percent about 80% the original story and then they can tinker with the other 20 okay uh yeah because the remake is just taking the exact same game and just changing the mechanics changing a little bit of the mechanics uh so you want the story to stay mostly intact with a few liberties here and there yeah but not a drastic departure yeah okay Uh, okay yeah it's same thing with the mechanics like the mechanics they can completely reboot those but there's still got to be essential stuff in there. Like you can add uh, like wall running, wall climbing, some flying. But that's like it's a vampire game. That's mm-hmm. already kind of expected. Right. Was there shapeshifting in the other games? I didn't know that. Is that a thing? Do you remember? Shapeshifting? Yeah. Did I say that? No. They mentioned in the survey that was one of the things. Like, like how like what's what's mo- the question was what's the most important feature in the like, legacy of King? And they know and he mentioned uh, moral ambiguity. So like no- I put that. Like, no black and white, everything's kind of grayish, like, in terms of morals. Where, like, you can't tell what's the good and what's the bad response, right? Yeah. Vampire mythology, shape-shifting, puzzles, combat, nocturnal living, whatever that means, among 19 options. So that's why I said, was there shape-shifting already a thing in the series? Uh, I don't recall that. Okay. A lot of the questions are, are similar questions to the prior ones, though. They just switch it up a little. Okay. I think they were revisited, and the only reason I say that is because... Ubisoft is the exact same thing where they they pull the community on, oh, what do you want to see in the next Assassin's Creed? And like the options are usually like 
like oh like they're already gonna work on that like that like they're kind of leading you on with like what you're, the illusion of choice like i remember the year before rogue came out assassin's creed rogue like oh like are you interested in playing as like a templar instead of an assassin and like that game came out like less than a year like there's no way they designed that game in a year like they were already leading on with like the with the options to make you feel like you had like a choice but really like they're kind of showing their hand early in terms of like what they're already doing so i think especially with them going like in this case they say oh normally we get like a thousand to three thousand response but we got a hundred thousand like i think for sure you're gonna get a legacy of kane game within the next five years you think they're already on it? I think so. At least pre-pre-production. At least. Especially with that response. I think what it is is they already have the story. Yeah. They have, they pre-production. Have, they have the story laid out. They're in pre-production. But the question solidify exactly what direction they should go in. No, yeah, for sure. They're still at the point where they can pivot. But I'm saying, like, I, for sure, I think they're more than beyond, like, oh, we'll think about it. No, they're, they're doing one. They're just trying to figure out, like, before... Like you said, before they they are secure on a direction, they're kind of just feeling around for like, what ancillary details can we just can we like you know mechanics can we throw? Yeah, in maybe there? they're having a civil war, and then one guy disagrees and is like, you know what, we're gonna put it out to the community. A civil war sounds so like drastic. Yeah, yeah. just say it's a board meeting. Just say it's like a indecisive board meeting. Yeah. I don't think there's like factions within the company. <laughs> You're, you're too much. You're too much, Johnny. Last story we have here, Johnny. Uh, this comes from Game Rant, written by Andrew Paul Heaton. It says, Resident Evil 4 Remake will feature in-game purchases, possibly multiplayer. Yes. The remake of Resident Evil 4 will feature in-game purchases, which could mean the survival horror will also come with a multiplayer mode. Set to be one of the biggest releases of 2023, the reimagining of the iconic RE4 is something a lot of fans are anticipating. Given the success of the remakes of both the second and third installments in the series, there are high expectations for this upcoming release to make an impact on the genre. The original Resident Evil 4 has been ported to numerous systems over the years. Launching in 2005, it began life as a GameCube exclusive before it was made available on the PS2. Since then, there's been a successful Nintendo Wii version, as well as ports for Xbox One, PS4, and PC. The game has even been made playable on Android and iOS. The game made quite the splash when it was first released, switching up the formula of the previous three entries and going on to influence horror gaming. As for the remake, Resident Evil 4 is not too far away now, and there's a possibility it may come with multiplayer. According to the Entertainment Software Rating Board, or ESRB, the title will have in-game purchases, particularly on PS4, PS5, and Xbox Series consoles. No further details are given as to what exactly these purchases will be. However, seen as RE3 Remake also came with a similar feature, which incidentally also has multiplayer in the guise of Resident Evil Resistance, it could mean RE4 will get multiplayer as well. However, this hasn't been confirmed, so it's best to take the information with a grain of salt. Johnny. Now... I feel like we, we've made it pretty clear how we feel about monetization practices. Uh, well, I guess I should say I have. Well, actually, maybe that's not true. I <laughs> think about it because I usually buy Call of Duty's Battle Pass every year and you buy the Fortnite Battle Pass. So No, I don't. Don't you? No. You don't get all the skins and all that stuff? No? No, I've only bought it one time. I just carry It just carries over. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Because Call of Duty has the same thing where if you buy... the the battle pass and you do everything you earn enough credits to earn the next one the next year or the next season or whatever so 
Okay, that's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, Johnny, how do you feel about that in Resident Evil, though? Whoa. I mean, what do you expect out of them? Because they didn't give us any information on exactly is there loot boxes? Are there are they just uh, skins? I'm wondering if it's just like in it's like DLC or whatever. It's like in the game already. Like, like is that what it is? Where like, hey, like. Because you know how Resident Evil 3 and 2 had the thing where, like, you earn points on your runs and you can use those points on the shop, the in-game shop for, like, infinite this, infinite that, or the coins or whatever? Like, are they just going to do that with real money, do you think? Is that what it could be? Because I hope not, because that sounds horrible, if that's what it is. Okay, what I do want, which I'm okay with, is... Okay, there's some games where I get a crazy amount of, uh, like, attire, right? Horizon gives us that. Aloy has a ton of skins. God of War has a ton of armor, uh, but some games just don't. Like uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, they just give you like two skins. Mm -hmm. Actually, they give you one, and then you unlock the other ones. So for something like Resident Evil, if they give me two skins, I'm all right. I'm cool, right? It's a short game. But if they decide, hey, there's like eight more skins that you can buy, I'm down with that. No? Okay. Yeah. I, I I guess my my thoughts on this are the same with like online multiplayer games where I don't mind if it's aesthetics. I don't want modes locked behind that. No, for sure. It's got to be an aesthetic thing. Yeah. If like, that's the case, then I don't mind because that's really optional. It has like no effect on gameplay other than just like your perception of your character, which isn't like a big deal to me. It doesn't change the mechanics or the response of the game itself. Then I don't mind. If it's just aesthetics, then it's like whatever. I, I'm just worried that, you know, like, weapons... I don't mean skins. I mean, like, actual, like, in-game weapons or, like, content of what's playable is, like, locked behind that. That would really suck. They haven't done that, though, have they? No. For another game. Not with Resident Evil. I think the closest thing that they've done that with has been... um, I forgot which Mercenaries game it was... But they had this thing where, like, uh, I think it was Resident Evil Revelations 2, maybe? Or 1. One of those two had a thing where, like, you could buy, like, in-game, like, herbs and in-game stuff, but with real money. No way. But they were, like, packs. Like, oh, like, you can buy this pack for, like, 99 cents, and you get you start off with extra ammo, extra herbs for the story mode or something. Which isn't that big of a deal nah, for the price. If it's a starting perk, that's not too bad. Yeah, it was like a starting. It was like here's like a all these extra items in your inventory like at the start of the game, but like for because real world money. That sounds kind of like a pre order, a different way to do a pre order. Pre orders don't cost extra money though. Yeah, but if you pre order, you'll get an extra skin, you'll get an extra gun sometimes, extra items or something. Yeah, yeah. I guess, but pre orders don't feel as icky because. What do you mean they cost more than the original game? No, they don't. Oh, it you're costs right, the same. You're right, you're right. You're not paying more. You're just paying the same amount just across different, you know, payments. It's still, it still ends up being the same price in the end. Yeah, you're right. So that's less. That's not. That's not as big. That's not a big deal for me. Just I just don't like the idea of content being locked, especially if it's already on the disc. That that's like horrid. Okay, so. how about a multiplayer? I'm thinking they're probably just referring to mercenaries mode. As far as transactions, though, what are you okay with? Oh. Again, aesthetics is fine because I, for our, for Resident Evil Five, I bought all of the character skins where like for Sheva and Chris, which are just like both in game but also like outside of the game. Like if you bought the DLC for 
escape uh escape escape from a nightmare i think it's called but we go to like the mansion okay that one added extra costumes but also had that mode right but that was optional and that came out like more than a year after re5 came out and in that case i was like okay sure i'll pay just to see like what happens before the game starts and that came with that wasn't an optional mode that was an optional story content and it came with like the extra skins and i kind of just wanted it for the because she gets like this red right this red uh not red little red riding hood outfit for sheva and then chris gets like this oh, uh, i've seen that do you I remember love that Sheva. she's great and then Chris got uh, it wasn't his original Stars outfit. That one's in the game by default. It was like some other version of that same outfit from I think Re. Uh, shoot, which one was it? It was I think from Art Resident Evil Zero, not Zero, Code Veronica. I think he has like the outfit from that game or something. So I bought it for that, but it also came with the DLC for like the Lost in Nightmares DLC. So and I think that was like five bucks if I remember correctly. This was like over a decade ago, but like I was okay with that. Because it wasn't like on, it wasn't like locked behind the game. It was like a year later, so it was like whatever. But I wouldn't want. I, I'm not the person who buys like, because a lot of JRPGs have this thing where like you can buy like items you get normally from the game anyways, but you just pay for them upfront to save you the time. That I never do. Resident Evil has the same thing too. I don't know if you remember Resident Evil two and three have the option where you can pay real life money to get the infinite weapons, like from the start. That's okay. It is, but I just don't like it. It just feels scummy to me because there's people who probably will buy it. And, of course, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want. It just feels predatory, like, for them. And that kind of just – it just doesn't doesn't sit right with me. I don't feel like that's predatory. Because there's some people who will just go, like, oh, like, five bucks and I get everything unlocked in the game. Like, I feel like you're kind of, like, robbing yourself in a way. But I don't know. I know, I know I'm sure they have the research to show that, like, oh, there's enough people who do buy this. And that's why they do it. But – I don't know. I mean, it's just I. I mean, it's just the old guy in me who's kind of like back in my day. You know, games didn't do this and stuff. But like, of course, the internet, the nature of the internet has changed all of that. So, anyways, Johnny, that's my last thoughts on that. Let's talk about Ragnarok, Johnny. Ragnarok. So, Johnny, I don't want to do a full. Well, honestly, no one has finished the game, so we can't do a full spoiler talk. But I don't want to delve too much into stuff. Because I want to do a proper separate episode just for Ragnarok because it is a girthy game. Not just length in terms of story, but I mean like detail-wise, lore-wise, character-wise. There's a lot going on in this game. First, give me your first level base thoughts. Well, no, no spoilers for this at all. Uh, okay, when I first started the game, it's... Fuck, man. It's so hard to talk about it without spoilers, but this is just the beginning. You start the game off and you see something from the trailer. It's... Yes. Yeah, you do. As soon as I saw the thing... It's not a spoiler because it's like the first five minutes, but as soon as I saw the sled, I'm like, I know exactly what's about to happen. You're you're in the damn sled and then somebody comes in to taxi when they're on your damn sled. You guys already know what it is if you've seen the trailer. I really thought that was going to be like way later in the game. Yeah. So I was surprised when that happened like off the bat. So you get hit with that. It's it's a great introduction to it the is. game. Yeah, uh, you fight this person off. I love how they do the thing like with the first one, where like the main menu leads into the game directly, where you just put like new game. And, like, it is first first game did this too. Yeah, that's why I, just, I just, yeah, yeah I just said that. I love how they do like the first thing too, where, like, where he's like chopping the tree in the first one. This one like uh, straight from the cave straight into like the opening cinematic. Like I love that. Yeah. Uh, so once I get through that scene. I'm already shaking. I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted. I've been waiting for so long. 
I'm shaking. Uh, we finally get to the next section, and now it's the t- the game is telling you like, all right, get fucking ready. Were you this confused is- like I was? Where like I couldn't tell what was scripted and what was supposed to be under my control. No. Because I crashed a couple of times with the... I mean, not hard, but, like, I did take damage because I'm like, wait, am I supposed to use a sled now? Like, I, like it was so seamless, the tra- which is very impressive because some games, like, when they, tra- they transition from cutscene to gameplay, you know there's, like, a slight, like, visual shift. This is one of the most seamless games I've ever played. I, I Sometimes it happens and I can't tell. I'm just looking. I'm like, why am I not... Oh, oh I'm supposed to move the controller now. Like, yeah. some that's, like, a testament to the quality of the game because there are some games where, like, it is not... Like, you see a, a slight flicker in like resolution or something and you're like oh, okay now i can play yeah sometimes the game will darken uh-huh it's uh, sometimes the games will darken not this game but other games right in transitions uh the shade will change a little bit or the or models the texture change is a little off actually the models will actually like shift to the left or to the or right or like click like yeah, kind of like they'll, like yeah they'll like reposition yeah, yeah this yeah, game yeah. doesn't do that at all like wherever you're at it'll just transition it for you it's it's weird it's really funny because you'll have cutscenes going on and you can see the health drop in the background that you didn't pick up and it, like like there's times where i fought like bosses or certain like things happen and like oh like there's the there's the quicksilver and the health drop off in the background because like, i didn't pick them up in time so now they're just in the silver. the hacks i'm sorry hack silver the, the currency the oh, hack yeah. silver and like I, you can see the, you know the white icon like the white beam of light and the uh-huh. green the green one for the health yeah like, if I don't pick them up in time, like, the cutscene will just play out, and you just see them in the background, like, as if they're, like, part of, like, the environment. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Uh, so, it's all, like, real-time, real-time, real engine and stuff. Um, well, I'm, okay, let's talk about, like, technical stuff. I don't want to, like, sure. get into the story, of course. Obviously. So, one of the things I really recommend you do this is that Me as in me or me as a listener? Well, both of you guys. All of you guys. All, all of you. All of you. All, all okay. million of you guys. Okay. <laughs> If, so, if only. <laughs> so I play the game in the most, most difficult mode, right? Jimmy Johnny go to that, war. Yeah. I do this shit with every fucking game. Uh, something I hate that this game doesn't have, it will have in the future, they've already addressed it, is it doesn't have photo mode, right? So, oh, you're right. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So, I didn't even try with this one. Yeah. So what I end up doing is just pressing the share button and then i get a screenshot of whatever is on there no hi no yeah so it, it comes down to like having the perfect timing which is a game in itself right yeah like i i i see a battle and i miss it i'm like oh whatever i'll get it next time i play this this enemy later mm-hmm. so what i do is i not only do i play it in the hardest difficulty i take everything off i take the map off i take the little hud on the bottom that says what my health is uh my wow my cooldown everything is off so at the beginning this was intentional i did this uh maybe a quarter of the way through and the reason i did it is because i'm screenshotting everything and i don't want to see those prompts on my screenshots you don't want the hide out yeah 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 and, and you just forgot to re-enable it i'm guessing right no i just decided not to enable it oh okay so yeah game is a little bit harder because you know, sometimes your life is full and then it goes all the way. Like, you're just, you got a hairline of, of green health, right? Yeah. Kratos doesn't adjust. He's, it's not Resident Evil where you adjust the way you move or whatever based off your remaining health, right? There's no flashing red edges of like. Wait, is there flashing red edges? There is. Oh, okay. There, I'm sorry. There is. But I meant like Kratos, he doesn't change. Like, he's not limping because he's almost dead, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He's at full power, whether he has like a sliver of health or a full health bar, right? He'll, he'll limp a little bit. Like, he'll he'll like grab his chest and kind of really? like walk a little bit. I don't bit. think I've noticed that. Uh, that reminds me when I have a little bit of gripe. 
so so I play I just gotta brag hardest mode with no fucking no interface no HUD nothing right mm-hmm. but then I, I decided later like screw it this is the most cinematic thing I can do if I don't have photo mode and also since I'm playing it in the toughest mode I get hit twice three times max and I'm dead I'm screwed that sounds annoying so that's, play, really, that's like playing Elden Ring, basically. So there's really no point to me having... I realize there's no point of me having the health bar at the bottom because... You can just count. Right? Yeah, I can count. Like, oh, it's only been three hits. Mm-hmm. One more hit. It's only been one hit. One more hit and I'm dead, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is, like, not have all those little distractions of, like, I'm fighting and do then you, I have my health. Do you still get the prompts when someone's targeting, like the little yellow red arrows pointing yeah, at yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's essential. Okay. So, because like that would be impossible without that, like you know, be like dad, like behind you, you know, like, like the they're targeting you. Yeah. So with the little targets, the red targets and the blue like targets that you can uh, stop, right? The shield break. Yeah, the shield yeah. break. So my logic with that is, wait a minute, I can have my health and keep monitor my health, but I know I'm gonna get hit two or two, uh, two or three times and I'm dead. Mm-hmm. But if I take it off, I'm no longer like draining my focus to look at the prompt and i'm just looking at what's going on on the screen all the time mm-hmm. right right so that's how i play the game right because photo mode forced me to do this not having it right later on it'll be there uh so this isn't a gripe but god of war is very immersive right I don't sure. have, since I don't have the hood now, I'm like, damn, this this looks fucking great. The cinematics are like, amazing. Is this a cutscene or can I move, right? <laughs> yeah. And the camera is always a single shot. Sometimes they do a single shot where it's creative, where, like, imagine you're looking at your phone, and then somebody else looks at your... Like, there's a cutscene with Atreus, he's on his iPhone, right? Let's say. And then he's, like, grabbing his iPhone, and then he puts it down, and then all of a sudden, Kratos is somewhere else. But then it picks up, Kratos picks up the iPhone as a transition. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's similar to that. Like, there's no cuts in the camera. Yeah, that's been the thing ever since the last one, too, where, like, it's just continuous shot. Yeah. yeah, but then this made me think, like, why the hell do I have a a prompt on the top of the map that shows me, like, what direction to go? Why is it showing me lo- the life in the corner? Like, why is that not immersive? Like, why couldn't they have a little thing in the back of Kratos? This isn't Isaac, whatever, from Dead Space with the... Is that what you're talking about like that? Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense. Like... That would be cool if Kratos could pull up a compass and, like, you can see on the screen, like, the direction. Like, like if you just check periodically, that was, like, a thing. No, they could have made it, like, a... Or, like, the gate, like, the light guiding you kind of thing. Like, some games have the... Yeah, like, also Shushima. Yeah, the wind. Right? They have the, the wind. wind. I think they have birds. I forget. Horizon has the overlay with the purple light kind of thing, I think, right? The direction of the... Yeah, 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 the yeah. first Horizon they did. I don't remember if this one does, but... Yeah, the overlay of Aloy's, like, holographic stuff on the... Yeah, so God of War could have come up with something. It could have been, like, fireflies to the left or something. It would have been a little weird always seeing fireflies. But From realm been, to realm, yeah. Yeah, but it could have always been, like... Something. Some foxes or some birds or whatever, right? Yeah or something as far as your health that seems like an easy one there could have been like an orb in the back of you and it's either green or red or something and like not- like a getting hot oh you're getting cold like that kind of thing well no <laughs> it just tells you like your life is down so it's oh red. i thought you meant for the direction i'm sorry i thought you meant like the compass like it changes color based on if you're going the right direction or something that you're talking about 
That's not a bad idea either. Like, like uh, you never play hot, hot. Oh, you're getting cold. You're getting cold. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not facing the right direction or something. Yeah, like you can have one to your left, and then on on the on your shoulder, maybe you have a little gleam thing that shines red or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just for the immersion, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. All right. Just so you don't have to have a HUD, a proper HUD. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I could eliminate absolutely everything. I mean, with without the HUD, it's just it's fine. It's cool, but that little detail would have like been going the extra mile, right? I think I'm I'm pretty sure that's an oversight because the game wasn't designed to be played that way. I'm sure that's just a minor oversight. They probably, I mean, they probably thought people like you said like are just gonna turn it off for like moments and then turn the HUD back on. So they probably didn't think that was like such a critical thing. Yeah. All right. So that was a long tangent on my part. Uh, as far as the game, uh, like we said earlier in the pod, everything is very unique. Every single corner. Like, every patch of snow on a piece of rock, there's so much variation. There's an insane amount of different textures all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many assets, too. Like, you just walk into a place and there's just all these different chairs scattered around and tables and then, like, forest growth on it. It's just so unique. Everything feels like it's very tailored, right? Mm-hmm. And then the characters are great, too. I forgot. There's a spoiler alert. Anyways, go ahead. So for me, I'm thinking from a technical aspect. I I love how Kratos. My major complaint with the first game was how stiff he feels. In this game, that is really not the issue anymore. That's not the case anymore. Like you start off minor spoilers. You do have you get the Blades of Chaos pretty damn early. Like within like the first, I think maybe the first scripted sequence. You don't. But I think after that, as soon as you get to where you have to get to, like in the first 10 minutes of the game, you get the Blades of Chaos. And the Leviathan Axe has always kind of felt kind of clunky. I do like now, and I don't remember if this was a thing, I just probably didn't experiment with the first game, where like the Leviathan Leviathan Axe has extra like uh, runes, like kind of hotkey to other buttons besides just the triangle button. Where now you have like, I think it's L1 and R2 to use a different one, and L1 and like R1 for a different oh yeah yeah yeah. they kind of made it like those are actually useful now whereas before i just i just ignored the root because i was like why am i gonna use that? the cooldown used to be so long in the first one that i just bought i didn't bother doing that kind of stuff yeah. now i tinker around because they give you enough of the runes like early on in the game for you to kind of play around with and i it's it's just the combat's much more varied now i don't remember if the first one could you just use your fist in the first one could you do that i don't think you could right your could fist you? for what like not using one of the weapons or you just punch. Yeah. You did? I don't remember that. I honestly don't remember that because there's times now where like I prefer fighting with my fist because the stun meter fills up so much faster. Oh, yeah. I use them a lot. I'm like, I could use the weapons. The weapons hit harder, but I can probably just fill up the stun meter so much faster and just do it. I like seeing the different like finishers. Mm-hmm. So like there's the one I really like where like you toss someone up in the air and they're spinning and you just cut you cleave them in half. I love that for like the regular some of the regular enemies. There's uh, the one one of my favorite ones returns where like he grabs him by the jaw and just rips down the first. Oh, when he gets the they're like the these werewolf? bulky, yeah, like these bulky like that monsters. One's great. Where he grabs like the front of their jaw and just pulls it down the length of their body. No, it, yeah, the front. But it so it it does it does take the damn jaw, but the jaw pulls all the way down Forward, their chest. Yeah, down the like as if it was like one solid piece, kind yeah. of like a peeling. Like I love I love that. I I know the first one had that. But I don't remember the stun... Like, I think you were only encouraged really... I feel like the first game just encouraged you to use the Leviathan Axe, whereas here, 
using the different weapons. Like there is moments where it makes sense to use the blades, moments to use the axe, moments to just punch your way through something. Actually, I love the balance on all the Yes. Because at the beginning of the game I was like, yeah, I'm probably just going to stick with the uh with the blades, right? Yeah. So you go you go across the game and you meet all these different characters and I'm like, the blades don't fucking mean shit right now. Like mm-hmm. I need to use a Leviathan axe because I need to get some distance between this character and myself. Right. And I end up feeling like the balance is great mm-hmm. between all the weapons. Exactly. And not just that, but there's also moments I feel like Kratos feels way more nimble and much more lighter, I think, than the first one because you have specific moments where Kratos still can't jump, but they do a great job of hiding the fact that he can't jump because there's moment like you have, one of your unlocks or one of your abilities is now you can jump down on enemies if you're above them. You can attack slash rate fall on them and that almost feels like you're jumping you're not really jumping but it's a jumping animation because you're already attacking they also have the thing where now like there's like crumbled floors but you can't break them unless you go to a higher elevation and then and then you do the thing with the blades where you pull yourself forward so kratos feels like way more agile way more traverse i don't know if traversable is the right word but he doesn't feel as clunky as he does in the first game at least for me personally He's way more nimble. He's swinging across. He's doing all these different things where he feels... There's, like, moments where you get glimpses of, like, the PS2 Kratos, kind of. Yeah. And I love that because I really don't like how he feels in the 2018 God of War. And it feels like everything in this game is just built and improved off of the first game, which is which is basically the highest praise I can really give this game. Everything feels so much better. This game has... Um, this is like minor spoilers, but you do have people who kind of come in and out of the game with you. You have people who join you kind of like in a party system, like an RPG, which I really like. I don't think, I think the first game you're just stuck with Atreus. That's it. Well, you're stuck with Atreus, but you don't, uh, this is a minor, very, very minor spoiler. No, I'm just talking about, cause you do have people who accompany you, who like you push something and they, and they other than Atreus, you have people who swap in and like, because we have the moment where, like, we get to, like, the table and, like, you see all your, like, not playable characters because they're not playable, but, like, your assistants, I guess you can call them, your, like, sidekicks, sort of. No, but you do get to use other characters. No, I know. Okay, you do. That's true. You do get, I think I play that as, like, two different ones besides, no, just one other one besides Kratos, which is yeah. minor spoiler. This is early. You find this out at the very beginning. Yeah, pretty early on, like, when you play as Trace, who handles surprisingly well i really i was gonna say atreus is amazing i really thought i was not gonna like how he plays because yeah. i really thought he was just ranged i yeah. thought oh, we're just gonna throw up arrows we're gonna have to keep my distance but he's very capable as a melee like upfront fighter he's his agility is nuts he's really quick he i like how he, he doesn't have a shield but he has like a magic shield and replace to like replace it his his like the rage thing what he does once you learn how to use it properly there's just so much. He has, I think, more versatility than Kratos. I don't know if he does. I wouldn't say that. I mean, it feels that way though. I think he's just fast. No, I, I mean, think... I mean, like the, the different weapon, like common, like the attacks, like different combinations of attacks. I think like there's more going on visually with like, I think, I think because he he has like a more magical set than Kratos. It seems visually like there's more diversity to me. There's more going on. Sort of. Because you have the different... I keep interrupting you, I'm sorry. But because you have, like, the different elemental arrows, you have, like, the magic, you have, like, the, the you know, the summon, and, like, all you have, like, all these different things going on. And Kratos has his own things, but they're really just variations of the blades and the axe. You know what I mean? I mean, as you progress... Okay, okay, does that change? Is that, okay, Johnny's ahead of me. He's, he's a good, probably, like, 20 hours ahead of me, so... 
as you progress, the chain cradles gets a little bit, a little bit more range. Okay. Uh, uh, is interesting because I think he's just so fast and his skill set. Like you know how you can fill the slots when you have enough points. Yes. Speed points. Yeah. They're pretty extensive. Like you have like three sections and you like can the fill runic them all. things, right? Like runes or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I pretty much have them on on maximizing stun for me. You know, because mm-hmm. most of the time I'm playing with cradles and I need them to be stunned as as soon as possible. Yeah. I think one of the biggest uh, tips as far as combat goes is. Uh, you can your weapons are gonna vary. Like you're gonna know exactly like what weapon to use for what enemy. Yeah. But I think one of the major things you should learn is your shield. When you oh. learn your shield, mm-hmm. it gives you a ton of stun, and that ton, I yes, that, that stun I think is most effective. Oddly enough, in your toughest battles, the big guys, the giant monsters, that's when you want to use your stun the most. When they telegraph the attacks, like yeah. yeah. There's been so many situations I run into when I'm using all. All my items, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, I, I can't, I can't figure this out. And then I pull out my shield, and sure enough, that's what gets me through. Yeah, I've had moments like that too. And then the, the game's pretty good at telling you early on, like when to like the blue, like the silver or blue circles that show up when, like, yeah. sometimes I even like, and there's some gripes from people, but like, like the AI or the quivers with you does a really almost too good of a job of telling you what to do at any given moment. So like when you're using like like oh like now target this or like now I'm putting this like hit this thing with me or whatever like it's I don't find it that difficult to know like what to do but there's definitely what I like is that the game does a good job of balancing of like okay now you need to switch but also like you can do this how you want kind of thing too like it's very balanced and that's really hard to nail down I think for like action heavy games where like you feel like you're just going through the motions like oh here's the same mob of enemies I'm just doing the exact same thing. I don't really feel that. Maybe because I'm still not that far in. But, like, no. every enemy encounter is, like, oh, like, there's, like, one where, like, oh, like, they're going to keep healing until you take out this one thing above them or whatever. Or, like, oh, you know, like, the those were the ones that float on, like, jellyfish or, like, nightmares or whatever they call it or something like that? Yeah. You can chain those in a really satisfying way where you grab one, throw it towards another one, and that one's stunned. Now, you can grab that one and then stun the next one. Like, you can keep a chain going of stuns and it, it kills them as they go. Yeah. I love doing the thing where, because um, I feel like there's way more skills related to the weapons this time around. There was skill trees in the first game, but I think the way you use the weapons is way more varied. Like, I like doing this thing where Kratos spins the Blade of Chaos. Yeah, I love that, yeah. And then it does the, like, a plume of lava or fire, like, shoots out of the ground. Like, well, I like doing that because it gives them the burn effect. It adds the burn effect, but also you can do it with Leviathan Axe where you just charge the ice. Mm-hmm. But with the Blade of Chaos, you, do, you can do the thing where you grab them. And then you send the second blade, and then you send, like, the fire effect. Mm-hmm. But you can also do the thing I like. I forget what it's called. But, like, when you grab them, and you kind of do, like, a Spider-Man thing where you pull yourself towards them, and you stun them. Like, yeah, I think it I've adds to... I've been avoiding that one. Really? Yeah, I'm doing because... that because I like to close the distance. Like, because the blades, they don't feel, like, as far-reaching as they do, like, in the original games. But, like, you have a good... Like, you can throw the blade, and you still won't hit them because they're just short of where the blade is. Yeah. So if you get in range and then you pull yourself towards them, I just well because I, like I told you, I like the kinetic feeling of Kratos when he's moving around, when he's being zippy and like you know like OG Kratos. Yeah. So that's why I use those the blades like to maneuver a lot because I love the maneuverability. He's kind of like tankish otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, that that move you can also deactivate your moves if they bother you. Something I had to deactivate was actually the lock on system. Oh, that's the one thing I don't like in this game. It feels weird. It doesn't feel as precise as the previous game for some reason. 
and I feel like it's a little too precise because or accidental. Oh, like I know what you I'll mean. I'll press I'll press my trigger and it locks on. And you try and target somebody else. Right? Yes, and okay. it just sticks to the same character. I yeah. just took it off. I took it off like maybe you want a free aim, right? Yeah, because sometimes you'll have a, a situation where you'll have like two giant monsters, uh-huh. and you want to focus on them. The one that's like lower health or something. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to focus on the big guys, and then if it locks onto one of them. You're like your back is facing to a ton of like six mm. groggers or droggers, whatever. Droggers. And then you'll just get slashed in the back and you're done. That is true. I do have issue with for me it's when I'm trying to aim the axe at an enemy and sometimes it locks onto the one I don't want to lock on. That's the issue with enemies behind me is not as prevalent for me, but it's really just like like no, I want to aim at that guy slightly to the left of the guy. And it's like yeah. no, I can't. And I don't know. I'm sure you can change. I don't remember the toggle. What it is to change enemies to cycle through them. It's just trigger, trigger down. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's like when you're in the heat of the moment, you're like, oh, like, oh what button do I push to like, you know, target the other guy? And it's like, uh, I'd rather just, I just run around closer to the other enemy and then target again. Yeah, I just deactivated it. I learned this like a little bit halfway through the game, mm-hmm. and I I kept losing to a character. I just kept losing, losing. I took it off and I won like maybe the second time over around mm. so it, it did make a, a big difference um so combat is great i love the combat like huge huge step up from the previous one Thank uh you. the variation and and i want to talk about puzzles too the variation <sighs> in combat the bane of my is, okay. is always different with every single character there's yes, always a different they, feel, way they handle them. differently yeah yeah uh like even the support of like the supporting like Party, I would call them party members, but whoever's like with you, who you're not using, whoever's with you, whether it's like, you know, the dwarves or like someone else, right? Like, just like they're like, they don't, you, they don't all do the same thing, which I really like how they each have like, they're like, one has like a bag of tricks, one has like another bow, one has like, they all have yeah, different. That, that really surprised me when I, when I played with Atreus and then you have like, and you, you have another side partner. You always have a partner. Somebody, well, yeah, for the most part, you do. Most part, you do. Yeah, and they all have their unique way to defeat an enemy, right? Uh-huh. It might be very simple, but it's always a surprise to be like, "Oh, you're coming with me." That's that's legit. Yeah, like, oh, like they're now part of the your your party, sort of in a way. And you yeah. can, and then I don't know if they all do. But I know some of them do have like upgrade paths that are unique to them for like skills and stuff. I don't know if they all do. I know at least a third one who does. Uh huh. But like, it's cool that they've they've really expanded. It's not just Kratos all the time. Like you. Because I think that's what keeps the game from feeling stale is that they kind of rotate people in and out so that you don't really get too, like, bored of a particular play style. Well, the thing is, they have to stick to the script, which is... Uh, Sometimes it calls for people to... Sw- yeah. Yeah, which is, is prophecy. And then you have to... Like, you need to know about the prophecy and you need to know more about the story, but it doesn't make sense for Kratos to be there. So they At give, all times, yeah. Yeah, so they give you a character and you you complete your stories with them. Was that something that we knew before the game came out? Like, what, did no. They, no? Okay, I didn't think so. Because when it happened, I was like, oh, it was almost like it was almost like the Abbey thing in Last of Us Part 2, but like nowhere near as bad. <laughs> We're mm-hmm. like, oh, we didn't know we was, this was going to happen. But in this case, it's kind of like, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to. I'm like, oh, oh, never mind. This yeah, actually plays really yeah, good. I felt the same way. I, I was very surprised how how nimble the other characters were and their like skill sets. You can upgrade them. There, it's very extensive. Um. All right. So combat is great. I guess we'll get into. I I don't want to get too much into the story stuff. I I mean we're just to... well puzzles. We're gonna oh the puzzles. I take issue with the puzzles not because they're hard but because they stop so much of the momentum of the game. 
where I just want to get to the next. But you don't have to do the puzzles. A lot of them. What do you mean? You can just skip them? <coughs> no, like a lot of the puzzles involve chests. Oh. There, there are some story puzzles. Yeah, of course has, there's story puzzles. Yeah. That has more to do. Those are uh, pretty direct. If the chess one is a... If I see there's a chess and it's like something really annoying, then I'll, I'll sometimes just skip it. But there's a couple... There's a couple where I do tough it out because I'm intrigued by the mechanics where like... There's a part where you have to... There's like these mirrors in like the elf realm and you can like bounce your... It shows you the traje- trajectory of your axe, Leviathan axe, like where it's going to hit and like bounce and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are okay. I actually like those because I like the kind of like light, the, you know, direction kind of stuff. Like that was cool. But like anything that feels slow where like you're throwing the Leviathan axe to turn something, like those are annoying. Not because they're hard, but they just they just feel so slow. Those are probably the most annoying. I think they're fine. Uh, there's somewhere you have to lift the gate but you have to free something that's behind the gate and you can't throw your axe. Like your axe oh, just won't go through. You have to get the timing right for like another way. Yeah. No, you have to, well, the ones I'm talking about, you have to use your partner. Your partner has like sigil arrows oh. and then the arrow. You oh, throw, I know. Yeah. Like you throw the purple magic, ones. Yeah. You throw that magic spell uh-huh. and then that magic spell has runs with the door. Oh, it, so the door lifts up, right? The mm-hmm. magic spell sticks to the door mm-hmm. and you can't get to the thing that's behind the door. So that sigil, it runs up with the door. So you put three sigils, and as, as you lift them up, oh, you I throw your right. axe, and all your sigils connect, and then they hit the thing behind the door. Oh, I haven't I haven't run into that, but now I'm... They get very complex. Now I'm going to look out for that. Thanks for letting me know that. I'm thinking of, like, the ones where, like, oh, there's, like, this path of, like, branches, and you can't reach across with your thing, so you have to, like, set a chain lining up and, like, set off the first one and make sure they're close enough to where they all ignite each other until you get to the thing. That, that'll happen. There's some very complex ones. But you're saying now there's ones also where they they you put the sigils and the sigils also move because they're on a thing that moves and therefore you're trying yes. to... Ah, oh, that sounds like So you, get the, you need to get the sigils <laughs> closer to that item and then you right. throw your axe and it activates all the sigils and then, until they hit that and last time. time it right. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're great because they're... They're cool. It's just... If I want puzzles, I'm like, I, I want puzzles like Resident Evil style puzzles where like you're moving things there's like maybe like a key or a lore reason for like you know like you know like the red thing goes with this or you know i mean like movement puzzles i don't really care for like for god of war i just want to go in and just beat the crap out of stuff and like too often i don't mind puzzles it's the frequency of the puzzles where you kind of just want to get to the next thing and there's like puzzle after sometimes it's like puzzle 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 fight puzzle puzzle fight fight puzzle puzzle puzzle. you know what i mean like it's if it was broken up more like fight fight puzzle fight puzzle fight fight puzzle like you know what i mean like if it was reversed i don't feel that way i feel that the way you describe it i feel that way if you go for the chest which i do i i guess i do i do because how am i gonna ignore the chest there's something probably something good in there for an upgrade like i can't i can't not get the upgrade but it's a decision (laughs) i guess i guess that's true I, I really do like the puzzles. And they do change, like you said, Resident Evil style. There's some sections where you can't maybe get over a wall. I hate I hate when the game does that, too. When it's like, oh, your, your, your party members just, oh, you don't have the equipment for that yet. And I'm like, then why show it to me? Like, why do that to me? Like, oh, we are not ready for that. Like, we can't do that thing. It's like, I get it because they want you to come back later with the thing you do need. Yeah. It's just really annoying that it remind me, oh, you can't do that thing. It's like, oh, okay, fine. 
Well, it's not story accurate. I get it. Like, it's just weird because how would you know I don't have the thing? You know what I mean? Like, obviously the game knows, but how does a character like? You know what I mean? Like, well, oh, makes sense. oh, we don't have a thing for that. I'm like, dude, like it's just a bunch of branches. You're telling me we can't just reach around? Like, I know I'm breaking in-game logic, but like, well, again, when you progress to the story, you're like, oh, I needed that for that. Okay, that makes sense. Right, but sometimes it's just something as I don't know. It's it's just it just breaks for me when the game when the characters within the game are like too self aware in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we'll come back to that later. Or like, like, how do you know we're gonna come back this way? Like, why would we? You know? Because it's a different type of magic. I know it's a different type of magic, but I'm saying like, why does Atreus know that? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, how does he know the rules of this type of magic we haven't even encountered yet? Do you get what I'm saying? Or... Atreus is Loki. He knows magic. True. He, he would know what magic is. Ah, I guess that's true. Yeah, because there's a part where he talks to a certain character and he's like, oh, that's that kind of magic. And it's yeah, like... and the guy that, the head that you're carrying is literally the smartest person in okay. the fucking thing. All right, that's fair. Because Mimir does do that. Thing Mimir sometimes. is the smartest human being. They, and they remind you of that multiple times throughout the game, yeah. too. You're right. You're right. Okay, that's fair. That I guess that solves that little issue they had. Okay. Uh, what, what section are you in? Uh, without spoiling, I just fought the giant blue lizard that tears through realms, protecting a certain group of roots. Okay, I th- which was probably like the, the most the dopest like boss fight, excluding the very first one of the game. You might be a chapter or two chapters away from a new item. Okay. Yeah, and then you can backtrack to some of the locations uh i've pretty much i think of all the ones i've seen so far i've recognized the ones like there's like one where like there's like these red roots and like i already met the character who can like put the sigils so i can burn those like i like oh like i saw that earlier in the game now okay now i know what that is i don't think there's i think maybe there's like one thing that i haven't like seen the solution to so far yet the little vents yes yeah yeah i think so yeah that's the new item that's a story thing okay so like I've seen enough stuff where like oh I can go back if I wanted to and now and now get access to that chest or get access to that one spot or so that that new thing when I got it I was like ah, this isn't great like I don't like it because because mm-hmm. right when you get the thing like uh the the person that's with you you see a bunch of enemies and he's like aren't you gonna try the thing like you just got it like test it out oh and I'm like yeah yeah whatever like I'm gonna use my blades I don't care I don't give a damn and then I was reluctant to use it. But once you really begin to master it, it's totally worth it. Mm. Because as far as uh, functionality, it sits right between the blades and the Leviathan, the axe. Mm. It because it's it's quick. Wait, it's so quick. is it a weapon? Okay, is it a weapon? But it also has like effects outside of combat. Is what you're saying? Just say yes or no. Yeah. Okay, that's all you need to know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But is, I it, like, is it a cool weapon? Um, or is it or is it cooler as a tool? Well, it has, it, it has a. <laughs> Giant struggling for the puzzles. Yeah, it'll solve your puzzle problems. Okay. Okay. Cool. As a tool, it is very quick. I wish maybe the design was a little bit different. Okay. As far as functionality, it's good, and I use it all the time now. It sounds like a hook shot kind of thing. I imagine like a rope thing. Don't tell me. Don't tell me if I'm right or wrong. I'm just. I'm. This is me. Like. Predict, predicting it's probably going to be like a hook shot or something that allows you to like zip around or close gaps or something. Do you want a visual clue? Sure. Okay. Okay. I, was, I wasn't that far off. I wasn't that far off. Okay. Cool. But it's great. I recommend you master that. All right. 
That definitely sounds cooler as a weapon than as a tool, I think. But all right, Johnny, I don't want to. I, I didn't want to do too much of a deep dive. I just kind of want to just talk about. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're thinking. have a whole separate pod for this. Um, as far as I'm, as far as I know, that's the only game you've been playing, right? That's a, that's all I want to play. Okay, so far me too, except for I've been also literally just last night. Uh, the new Pokemon game came out, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. I picked Violet because uh. That you can find out which ones are exclusive to which version, which Pokemon, and by the way, it has more of the ones I like. Mm-hmm. Um, this game has some major performance issues. Uh, I don't know if you've kept up with like what everyone's talking about, but like if you look on Twitter's like videos of like the game is like lagging really bad. I've heard people say don't buy it, and I mean I, I bought it because I always buy Pokemon. That's just the thing I do. Pokemon for, is for me like probably what like Metal Gear might be for you or something where it's like well really? maybe not survive because no one bought survive but the mainline Pokemon games are I'm I, you know I'm a fan for Pokemon all my life Pokemon cards Pokemon games Pokemon everything so the game now some people are saying it's probably the hardware the Switch the Switch is like five year old console maybe the the hardware just can't keep up anymore. Others, and I think are more likely to be true, are saying that Game Freak, which is the studio behind the main Pokemon games, was rushed to get this game out because Nintendo just didn't have enough stuff for the year to kind of fill out in terms of like releases for the whole year. Because usually they have like a big release every quarter or something. And Pokemon was basically the major one other than Bayonetta 3 for this fall. And I think they're kind of right because if there is like Monster Hunter Rise runs pretty decently on Switch and it looks way more graphically intensive than the Pokemon game does. And there's even a better looking Pokemon game already on Switch, uh, Pokemon, the new Pokemon Snap, which that game looks gorgeous. And that came out like two years ago compared to this most recent game, which it has like the issue where if you change the camera, the lighting changes in a weird way. Like you could have like shadow from like a mountain but if you change the camera just slightly without moving, like the shit now, like the whole palette is off. Like it's a different color. Like it's like the sun, it's like the sun just moved in that instance or something. Like it looks really bad. It chugs a lot. There's like graphical draw, like, like the frame rate drops. Like when there's a lot of Pokemon on screen, the draw distances look very hazy. Like instead of like in the old days, you used to have atmospheric fog to kind of hide the distance. But now you can't really do that because it's like, oh, it's ugly. Oh, they went like Grand Theft Auto remaster. Yeah, where things just like pop in, randomly just pop in. Yeah. And it just looks it looks bad. From a gameplay perspective though, it's at it's probably it's as good as Legends Arceus, which was the one that came out back in February, where it's like 3D world, the Pokemon, like they, they don't just pop up like they don't it's not like you're just walking in the grass and then like it transitions to another screen. Like they populate the world. So if you can see, like, let's say you see a Pikachu in the distance, you go up to that Pikachu, you'll start a fight seamlessly. You're not going to transition to another, like, map or another screen. You fight, like, you'll throw out your Pokemon and you'll have a fight right then and there in that instant. So it looks, it plays pretty well. Like, actual, the turn-based nature of Pokemon has always been pretty consistent throughout the last 25 years. And that still remains, it's still turn-based, it still plays pretty well. It's just everything outside of combat just looks not that great not that optimized and i know they can make a proper looking pokemon game because they've done it before but this one just feels like like they just real like another issue another instance of resting on your laurels i think because pokemon the name is so strong i'm worried that maybe they were kind of just like let's just half-ass this people are still gonna buy it and that's true because people i think this one already set like a record for like sales or something like that which is kind of disappointing we're sending nintendo and game freak like the wrong message with doing that 
But again, like I contributed to it, so I can't really, I, I really don't have any moral high ground to speak about it because I heard about the issues before I even bought it and I still bought it. So, uh, sorry guys, I, I, I let gamers down everywhere with that, but I, it's Pokemon, man. Like you can't, can't keep me away from Pokemon. So, um, yeah, just don't <laughs> buy the game. What are for you sure. About? For sure. Like I told you, I, I think I could Star Wars. No, John. Not not just when it's getting good. Yeah, it's just got. Like you need that. to watch Andor, John. You need to watch Andor. I know it. Our cousin Joe knows it. I quit. Star the Wars. government knows it. I'm pretty damn close of quitting Marvel. I would quit Marvel before I quit Star Wars. That's because Star Wars is so integral to who I am as a person. I can't. I can't. Star Wars is just too important to me. As compared to the Marvel Universe, which is way more recent. What do they have to do to let to for you to let them go? Star Wars? Yeah. Shoot, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe do something to like they retcon something from the original where like Luke was a clone this whole time. I think that would make me like kind of throw up my they hands. They did retcon Luke. Luke is a he's a bitch. No, I mean like something that would retcon like in the New Hope, like the continuity of the original trilogy, where like. That wasn't Luke. That was an imposter or something. Like that's part of the, the new canon that the original Luke or something stupid like that. If Charger uh, is really the Emperor, oh my god, that would be really stupid. That I, that would just I'd be like, I'm done. I think I think that would be the breaking. Yeah, point. you think so? I think that would be the breaking point. All right. Just because that wouldn't make sense at all. It makes absolute sense. He's always sabotaging the force. Sabotaging the force, like you know, the whole dumb act is just like a ruse yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Why would that wouldn't make sense? Because they find him on on Naboo. No, I'm sorry, yeah, they find him on Naboo, mm-hmm. and he's just like a wild. He's just a part of the wildlife being invaded. Like he, like that's like his first time he shows up. So that wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense. He's just he's on the ground level of this invasion and like without weapons, just running around like with a chicken with a head cut off. Doesn't make sense. I mean, the force is invisible. Like you don't know when he's using it, when he's not. No, Johnny, just, just, just stop, just stop, <laughs> just stop. All right. All right, Johnny, do you have any closing words before we sign off? I do not. All right, I just want to take, thank. Uh, what was his name again? Sauce? No, Moss Sauce for Moss writing sauce. in. Appreciate that. Uh, not sure which region of the world he's listening from. I always like listening to these to these tags because i'm like what's the origin story of that moss sauce moss sauce sounds it's it sounds conflicting because it sounds like something that would be very healthy for you and at the same time very dangerous for you like i think oh green like it's like it's like it has like antioxidants it's it's i imagine like it's moss from a tree just in a blender and that's like that's the sauce right Mm -hmm. it's like it's high in antioxidants high in vitamins but at the same time like it came off of a tree like it's probably has bacteria and like it sounds like something that would it'd be like a new like new age like health trend. Like you gotta make you gotta drink your moss. And at the same time, it sounds like something that would be like very dangerous because like what if it's attached to like a poisonous tree or something or you know what I mean? It sounds like it could go either way. Yeah, he probably has a whole different reason. Oh I mean what the origin story is. Sure. I love listening to those. Like yours is mine is lost cause, yours is what is yours? Chocobo? It's Moogle Nader, man. It's Moogle Nader. That's yeah. right. Because I love Moogles from Hall Fantasy. And then the Nader just kind of, I think, makes it sound more intimidating than without. You know what? Every time somebody writes in, we should try to figure out what that origin story is. The origin be. is? Yeah. 
Well, that doesn't always work because sometimes they just give us like a name and an initial, like a real name and an initial. Like, was that one we had? I think it was like Michael something, like a long time ago, several episodes back. I don't recall. It was like Michael or Mark something with like an initial for the. I don't remember. But yeah, I mean that would be funny. I would. I hope that would encourage people to come up with more creative names than in that case. But um, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, if you have made it this far, we appreciate it as always for your listenership. Uh, we encourage you to reach out to us if you have comments, suggestions, questions. We haven't had anybody insult Johnny directly since probably Brian. So if you want to do that, that yeah, would... give us your predictions. Anyway. Oh yeah, give us your game of game of the year thoughts. If anything, I know we have some people. I know people personally in my life who listen to this. So this is an open invitation for some predictions. And of course, even if you don't know me in real life, please reach out to us anyways. I'd love to read them. So uh we again thanks again for everything uh we will come back next week johnny will probably have finished god of war i think i probably will still have not finished it just because um i'm gonna try to keep up with you so i'm gonna not well try to avoid the end and go to the side missions okay because next week i'm not gonna be home all for next week i'm gonna go visit visit my mom down the hill and then also i'm gonna do black friday shopping yeah also i want to complete the game at least like a day before the bod so you know so it's fresh i'll probably try to aim for this time next week around i mean i don't mean like hour wise i mean like day of the week wise probably like thursday or friday or something so okay just to give you more time that was the whole point of me delaying the pod we could have recorded on tuesday but i wanted to i really wanted you to flesh out because this is like your game you know what i mean so i wanted you to have as much time to like flesh out your thoughts and for me to be able to speak on some kind of authoritative stance and not just have only four or five hours as my impression so Again, thank you guys. We're going to head out. I got to go get some dinner. It's kind of late. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.